Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.05. We're continuing the unpacking series, and today we're looking at the core concept of faith. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the facilitator for Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. All right, so... We started this series um, with the unpacking approach to Scripture. We did this in in episode Mm 3.00, and the unpacking approach basically is is we're trying to get as comprehensive and as detailed, so the the breadth and the the depth, as we can on a variety of of concepts biblically. Uh, We feel that we can have a lot more confidence if we're wrapping our mind around the complexity of it all. Uh, and so as we explain that in episode 3.00, and then we spent the next two episodes in episodes one and two talking about why we want to unpack the scriptures or why we want to unpack yeah. the Bible. And so we looked at, it, for us, just a short answer is that we believe the Bible is infallible, transformative, and authoritative. And so we should trust into what it says and we should explore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked also about how, like the different approaches that one can take with that. So then we moved into the series itself. And the first concept that we did, so this is episode 3.03 was hope. Why did we choose, out of all the concepts that there are in the Bible, why did we choose hope first? Yeah, we really had two different reasons. The first one is there's different verses in Scripture that talk about uh, really three main things in the Christian faith, and that's faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we said that we really need to explore what hope is all about in order to figure out how to apply those other things. And then also along those lines, uh, hope is just so motivating. And so when we actually have a good grasp of what hope is and we know what we can put our hope in, mm-hmm. we can actually begin to have motivation to really just get through life in general. Right, just drives you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that was so we chose you that episode first. Then we did episode 3.04, just this last one, on heaven. Yeah. And we spent a whole episode, and it, we set a record. <laughs> we uh, did. It was our longest episode so far at the two hours and 43 minutes, I think was exactly what it was. Uh, and because there's so much to say yes. uh, about heaven. Um, and it really is the fulfillment of all the hope. So it's, it's a good little tangent to kind of s- mm-hmm. split off for an episode, you know, into heaven. And so now we're getting back on the main train with uh, faith. And so we referenced in the Hope and, and Heaven episodes, we referenced the, uh, the importance of faith. So just to keep in mind with the hope, um, the, kind of the definition, that there's the, an acronym holding on to positive expectations, mm-hmm. or the other one was hold, hold on, on, pain ends. Pain ends, right. Uh, and so the idea is, is so what, what biblically is hope? And you listen to the episode for the whole full rundown. But at its core, hope is like learning what the specific promises are that God is, is offering mm-hmm. uh, and then choosing to believe in them and take refuge in that. You can take comfort in the fact that they're coming at some point. Um, and so then heaven itself, we got into a bunch of the details as far as I think three of the big takeaways were um, one, you're going to see God in all his fullness. And we talk about what that actually means. Two, we're all going to be the complete versions of ourselves with no sin and no drama. Yeah. Uh, and then three, it's a very physical, tangible world with all kinds of, of opportunities and potentials there. So you'll, I definitely encourage people to kind of go back and, and, and listen to that. The other big point that we talked about from the episode was uh, we want people to actually think about heaven more. Sometimes as Christians, we're like, well, we don't know what it is. We don't need to conjecture. We'll just find it when we get there. Mm-hmm. But we have found the scripture does give details. Uh, and the more you think about it, the more, and like, you know, Sarah was saying that she actually thinks about it every day because it keeps her going when life is rough, you know, et cetera. So we just give you that quick little recap. So this, if this is your first time listening to the to the podcast series, you can kind of catch up because we, we try every episode we do, we try to build on the next mm-hmm. one. So having said all that, uh, let's move into the uh, the faith topic. Now, let me say this real quick. 
be patient because, you know, we were going through the outline ahead of time. And by the way, we have, of course, you can't see this in the studio, but we have papers everywhere. We have mm-hmm. tons of different notes. So you might be hearing the papers in the background, you know, flipping and flopping and such. Um, but we're going to we're going to take like a technical approach first and try to just give like a technical understanding according to Scripture of what faith is and how it works and what it results in. Uh, and then we'll go back to like kind of the application of mm-hmm. it all and personally with the faith in Jesus, et cetera. So as you're listening... Um, you might be having questions or objections, right? Um, and like, wait a minute, what, what about this? I want to encourage you guys to go ahead and listen to the entire episode because maybe the question that you have gets handled and addressed mm-hmm. at some point later. Um, and so we, we try to be very intentional about how we ordered all this. So listen through to the end. Then if you have questions, you know, you, you can you can always uh, email it in. Yeah, and this is actually structured pretty similar to how we did the Heaven Study in that we're going to start out and we're going to talk about some of the more, uh, and you kind of just said this, but some of the more technical aspects of what faith is, how it works, how it looks in Scripture. And then uh, towards the end, we're going to really move into the application of so what? Like, why does this actually matter? Mm-hmm. Um, how does how does this affect me? What do I need to be doing? And so if you're more of the person that wants to hear that side of things, don't worry, it is coming. Yeah, we will get uh, there. That's just going to be kind of towards the end. And so that that, help, that reminds me to remind you guys that there's the four basic questions in this unpacking series. And so by the end of the study, the goal is that you can answer these four. And so the first question is, all right, so how do I define this con- concept? What is the definition? What does it actually mean? Then the second question is, how does it work? What's the nuances, the nuts and bolts under the hood, mm-hmm. et cetera? And then the third one is, what are the benefits or the motivations? What are the reasons that I should actually pursue this concept? Uh, and then question four is the application, like you just said. Um, so just repeat myself so you, that, that begins to kind of stick in you guys. The hopefully we're not just giving you fish, but teaching you how to fish, mm-hmm. you know, through all this. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right in. The first thing that we want to discuss is the terminology and the original wordings. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys like a short definition right up front that we're going to reference a number of times through here, just so that we're not like building up to the point and leaving you guys hanging. Mm-hmm. So at its core, the concepts that we're looking up here with faith is faith, belief, and trust. And the words are used fairly interchangeably uh, in Scripture. There's a little bit of nuance between each of them. And so to, to, to simplify this a little bit, to help people understand, the phrase or the formula that I give is faith equals belief plus trust, where belief is the internal cognition and recognition of who God says he is and, and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then trust is that active response uh, to that. And we're going to explain all this stuff in detail. But but just remembering that faith equals belief plus trust can kind of help you make some sense as we as we go through all this, yep. this, this chaos. Um, anyway, so the um, Old Testament... When we looked up belief, faith, and trust uh, in, the, in the scripture studies, the Old Testament, um, those, that concept is mentioned 235 times, mostly in most English translations, and we use the NASB uh, for these studies. It was mostly faith and trust. Belief wasn't mentioned as much. And the 235 mentions, it comes out, that means about once every five and a half pages in the Old Testament, the Bible is mentioning faith. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, there's 548 mentions which is double what the Old Testament was, which is crazy because the New Testament is actually about one-third the size of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So mathematically, normally the references are about one-third the number. Here it's double. So it shows you where in the Old Testament the concept of faith is usually mentioned on average every five and a half pages. In the New Testament, one and a half times every page Hmm. 
the concept of, of faith comes up. Um, and so you can see how important it is, uh, you know, hammering that home in the New Testament. Uh, and in the New Testament, it's mostly faith and belief that's used even more than trust. So just some interesting little trivia there. Um, so, so with that, then we wanted to. We're not going to go through all the words, but wanted to highlight uh, real quickly some of the key words um, that in the Hebrew, in the Greek, that are translated faith or belief or trust. So, two of the big ones in the Hebrew are aman and batak. And again, we're just we're guessing on yeah. how to pronounce those. But the the word aman shows up 110 times uh, in the Old Testament, and and it means to build up, support, render firm, confirm, uphold, to establish, uh, verified or reliable. And then batak is mentioned 120 times, and it means to high for refuge or, or to seek after refuge, to trust, to be boldly confident uh, or sure or secure. Yeah, and then in the New Testament, we see uh, two main Greek words stand out. Uh, one is pistiu, which is used 250 times, and that's to have faith in, credit, to entrust. Or pistis, which uh, is used 244 times, and that's a persuasion, which is like the idea of convincing, uh, credence, conviction, and reliance upon. And so and the, the word aman is usually translated believe in English, and batak is usually translated trust, and the pistuo is usually translated believe, and the word pistis is usually translated faith, mm-hmm. just FYI. So, so when, when we did the study originally, when we, when we do these four-week studies, we go through all of the Hebrew and Greek words that we can look at. Then the second thing that we do is we look at the definitions of each of those words that were in those definitions. Yeah. So we use Merriam-Webster and Farlex dictionaries to, to really explore that. Uh, and so, so we have, here's some key concepts in this whole concept. And again, I realize our approach can be overwhelming sometimes. Um, I'm a big believer, like after this two hour and 45 minute thing <laughs> on heaven, I, I want to be thorough mm-hmm. and I want to put all the information out there. You may be someone that actually wants to like soak it all up and you're taking notes and you're trying to wrap your mind around all of it. Mm-hmm. Great, fantastic. But if not, and, and you're just trying to look for the points that really resonate with you, just as good. So as we go through all this stuff, um, and this this was what Sarah was mentioning too, it's like don't, don't get caught up in all the details mm-hmm. um, and, and start to get paralyzed by them. So if you're if you're less that detail-oriented person, just know that we're putting that out there for those more detail-oriented. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to give you, as always, tons of information on this stuff. Um, because I feel that if you have as much information as you can, you can make better, uh, better equipped decisions and conclusions. Yeah, and the other part of that is we really want to meet you guys where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so we realize that there's some people that are new believers and they're trying to figure out um, what what is faith? Like in, in the general sense, what is it? Or maybe you're even an unbeliever trying to figure out what faith is. Uh, and so we want to appeal to you guys and have some really practical stuff that you guys can know and give you some background. But we also want to be able to challenge uh, people that maybe are more experienced in the faith, they've been a Christian for a long time, grew up in church, have heard, quote-unquote, all of this before, mm-hmm. and give you guys something to think about, too. And so in that wide appeal to everyone, um, parts, bits and pieces aren't going to appeal to everyone. Right. And so we recognize that, uh, but think that it's important to include the Yeah, details. we intentionally, yeah, and do it. So the the idea of believe or belief uh, according to the to the dictionaries it's a conviction a feeling of being sure that something is right or good or valuable it's a state or habit of mind placing trust or confidence in something it means to accept accept something as true and then also trust and entrust those two words basically mean assured or confident reliance on the character ability strength or truth of someone or something to give responsibility to someone 
And so we've seen in these earlier, the, the wordings and some of the definitions, we see this idea of firm or steadfast mm-hmm. keeps coming up. So we looked up what firm and steadfast means. It means having a solid structure, uh, something that is firmly or securely in place, resisting stress, pressure, or change, not weak or uncertain, very devoted or loyal or determined. And then also just being convinced or persuaded is to move to a course of action. So that uh, results in actually action. So there's a verb attached to that idea. Yeah. So so again, you're starting to pick up on some things here that there's like some sort of like knowing mm-hmm. and then there's like an acting on that knowing, yeah. which goes back to the belief and trust, et cetera. Um, and then credit. So we know um, I've heard before that like faith kind of in the Greek is to give credit to something. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It's a reliance on the reality of something to acknowledge something as good or to give a good name to. And then that begs the question of what does reliance upon even mean? And that's to confidently need another. And so in those definitions, we see this, you need to acknowledge. There's an acknowledging part to faith and belief and trust. What does acknowledge mean? It means to recognize something as genuine or valid. Yeah, and then, I mean, what even does it mean to know? And so that's to perceive directly, recognize the truth of, or understand. And that makes me think, so we've already did the unpacking, the class, the study mm-hmm. on knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and we're actually going to do a, a podcast episode on that down the road a bit. Um, and then another definition um, we saw where it, there, you're giving assent to things, and so what does it mean to give assent to? It means to agree or approve of after thoughtful consideration. Yeah. So, so those were some of the, the initial definitions, and, and as we were having the conversations in, in the study group, we were talking about, you know, what are some observations that we have, or what are some things that, that are picking up? So one thing we saw in all of this wording, there seems to be um, a being, something, like some, something being firm and reliable. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the, the, the reality or the existence of, of one, something being firm and reliable. Two, then there's like somebody else being convinced or persuaded or, or they conclude or acknowledge or accept or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that that thing is firm and reliable. And then third, there's, as well, there's also this, this uh, reliance upon the one they think is firm and reliable. So the idea, putting it in God terms, the idea is, is that God is firm and reliable. And we slowly begin to recognize and acknowledge that he's firm and reliable. And then as we're recognizing and acknowledging that, then we begin to rely on him. Mm-hmm. And it's that concept that is what faith, belief, and trust is, is all about. Yeah. Um, and kind of jumping ahead. Well, no, I'll wait <laughs> until we get there. So, anyway, so, so those are some things that we saw um, uh, originally or initially. So another way to say this is, the one point is that there's X, some X being firm and reliable, and then there's Y recognizing and con- being convinced of the fact that X is reliable, and then, then there's also Y then choosing to now rely on X because they've concluded that. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and by the way, as we go through all this, we're going to give you, we're going to say the same thing over and over again in a bunch of different ways with a bunch of different terminology, with a bunch of different analogies. And, and for those of you who are listening and it begins to click, you're like, great, stop repeating, <laughs> stop rehashing this. Um, I got it. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that because someone else that's listening, it may not have clicked yet. And so we're going to keep offering these different things, trying to reach everybody. It's always one of our goals here mm-hmm. with that. So anyways, so another way to say this is there's, there's the precursor reality, and then there's that faith, belief, trust element in like coming to grips with that reality. And then there's a resultant reality that comes from, from that belief, because we're going to get into what is faith resultant, mm-hmm. et cetera. 
So, so that, that was our initial understanding. Then we went through the entirety of the Old Testament and New Testament and looked up all the key core verses we could find on faith, belief, and trust. We assigned those verses. Everyone was reading them contextually, making their notes and observations. And then we brought all that back, and, and, and then we're going to present to you now the conclusions that we came to. So all that said, that first uh, question that we have in the unpacking uh, process is, how do I define this word? Mm-hmm. And so giving all that, again, we're, we're going to give you a couple different ways that we can define this. So, so, and then we're going to explain the implications later on. Anyways, so at its core, what is faith or what is belief or what is trust or how do they all play together? Um, and so there's a, n- a number of ways that, that we can say that. Uh, and i got to make sure I'm keeping all my notes here as we jump around. So, so let me elaborate a little bit more on this. And I, I have, of course, I have it color-coded, which you guys can't see because this is just audio. Yep. Um, but anyways... And so one way to cons- to understand the concept of faith is that there's God's part, there's our part, and there's the result mm-hmm. that comes from that. God's part, there's the reality that he already is firm, reliable, trustworthy, good, solid, loving, just, glorious, majestic, all these different things. He's sovereign. His characters and actions are good and loving, uh, even amidst the, the uncertainty of life. Mm-hmm. So John 1, 1 to 3 would, t- would talk about this. So that, that's God's part in just being firm and reliable. Then another thing that he does, and this begins to overlap between his part and our part, it's him persuading us that he's firm and reliable. Hmm. Now, this gets into the, <laughs> the one, one of yeah, the theological <laughs> yeah. debates, which is free will versus more the Reformed. Um, does God quicken you and empower you to, to see it uh, or not? Mm-hmm. Or does he offer it to everybody and he's doing some kind of influencing? Um, Just what does all that look like? <laughs> yeah. And so what is the correct answer, Zach? The correct answer is something that we will discuss in <laughs> yeah. great detail at a different time. <laughs> and still not even say that it's the correct answer. Yes, it's that's it's true. our thoughts mm-hmm. of it all. So so we're gonna do a whole unpacking on the issue of determinism, mm-hmm. which gets into not just God's sovereignty, but then also how he, he yeah. enacts it. Sorry. We're gonna do a whole episode just on that. Because it's really interesting how when you start asking that question, how many other questions come up. Mm-hmm. And so for us to even start to try and answer that now We'd rabbit trail would result in another two and a half hour podcast yeah before we actually get started on the faith podcast (laughs) so what we're going to say here is with god's part there's the reality of him just being firm and reliable and trustworthy and then there's him persuading whether you understand the persuading as some sort of more reformed quickening or you understand it more as the free will um he's influencing and whispering and then you have to choose to believe that um we'll leave that to you for the listener Mm -hmm. right now on that and that actually you're perspective on that does impact a lot of things but for our sake of discussion it doesn't really change what faith is right because it's just that persuasion occurs it might occur in a couple different ways there's many different ways that it could possibly occur but regardless there is some sort of persuasion right and so so it 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 does affect other parts of your theology, does affect application, but it doesn't affect the faith. Another, another We're going to throw all this vocabulary out there. Whether he compels or urges, mm-hmm. it's a subcomponent to that, and yeah. we're going to move on. So that's, that's God's part. Then you have our part. And so our part is to believe. Now, if, if you hold to the compulsion, that's automatic. Mm-hmm. If you don't hold to that, then it's a choice, right? Um, but you need to, to believe. You need, and so let me re- read a bunch of phrases here. Uh, and by the way, the persuasion, you can look at Romans 12.3 and Hebrews 12.2. Um, so then with the believing, you need to assent or yield or commit to him and his plans. You need to confidently accept him and his plans as real. You need to discover, give ongoing attention to the reality of his character and actions.
actions. You need to sincerely acknowledge and give credit to him and who he is and what he's doing. Or you need to be convinced or certain of the reality of him and his plans. Um, versus suppose or guess, which actually we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Deuteronomy eleven twenty two, Habakkuk two four, John three sixteen, Romans ten nine, Romans one sixteen and seventeen, Ephesians two eight to ten. They all talk about this. This is also I'll, I'll wait right now, but this goes back to the seven stage journey and like getting in the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the the and this is to me is, is the salvation component. So our part. This is, goes back to the faith equals belief plus trust. There's the belief and the trust. And so the believing is all these little phrases that I just gave and, and acknowledging that. Then it seems that there's also a trust component, which is above and beyond the belief component. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the trusting component is more of the obedience and the water walking in the seven-stage journey. And so this is actively relying on him as we act ac- uh, accordingly to him and his word and his will, et cetera. That could be, and by the way, when we talk about actively trusting in him, that may be standing still when he tells you to stand still, maybe stepping out when he tells you to step out. Um, Galatians 5, 16 and 25, Philippians 2, 12 to 13, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 10, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, James 2, 14 to 26 are all examples of this. And that's the verb part of this. And so belief is more like the knowledge, that sort of thing. Uh, but then when you start getting into trusting, that's more of the verb side of things. Yeah. And so I'll go ahead and say now, um, the idea that going back to the, the the boat riding and the water walking, I believe that the belief that the internal cognition and acceptance of who Jesus is, the belief becomes, mm, yeah, I'll say it this way. So if faith equals belief plus trust, mm-hmm. belief becomes the salvific part. So like the John three sixteen and Romans ten nine that if you really do believe who Jesus is, yeah. then you're saved. The trust becomes the sanctifying component, mm-hmm. which is the ongoing mm-hmm. maturity, etc. So if one is believes in Jesus but is not good at the trusting mm-hmm. they're still saved yeah there's just more to it going on and of course our goal is not just to get them to believe yes our goal is yeah. to get people to believe and trust um, but but I really do understand those kind of two stages mm-hmm. anyways so so that's that's one way to explain what is faith oh yeah so that's the God's part plus our part plus the result God's part is the reality and the persuading our part is the believing and the trusting and then the result if we do that, if we begin to you know, believe in him and then begin trusting in him, we become trustworthy. So remember in the seven-stage journey, and, and this is episode, ugh, it's episode, season one. It is. Um, I want to say it's episode 1.01, actually, I think. I think it was either 1.01 or 1.02, because it was the very first lens or analogy that we gave. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so for th- those who are listening for the first time, season one of Rekindling is a bunch of paradigms and lenses and perspectives and analogies to like better understand what Christianity is about mm-hmm. to make better decisions. Season two is know thyself, which is figuring out how God has wired you so you can figure your calling out. And then season three is the unpacking here um, that that goes into all these details. Yeah. Anyways, so with the seven stage journey, one of the things that we said was as you're out there on the water, you know, you're really beginning to trusting in God more and, and, and acting on that. The only way that you can do that is by trusting him more. But the fact that you're trusting him more makes you more trustworthy. And now that you're more trustworthy, God can now rely on you. So the idea here is is what is what is faith, if we think of this belief and trust, it's God's you know, God's already firm and reliable, and then he begins persuading you of that. Uh, and then you choose to believe in it, and then you begin trusting. And the more that you do that, the more reliable and trustworthy and dependable you become. Yeah. 
And now God can begin to trust in you because you become faithful or faith-filled, and he can begin to trust in, rely on, depend on you to go do all this amazing kingdom work. So this is where you're going to see work starts to move in, hmm. where, where belief is more the cognitive thing. Trust is both cognitive and action and results in works, you know, et cetera. Um, and so, and so that, that becomes almost, almost like the circle. He's reliable. We begin to get convinced of that, and so we trust in him, and then we become reliable so that he can then rely on us. You follow me? Yeah, and it's interesting how even as a believer, you continue to get convinced of how reliable God is. And so it's almost like, uh, well, I mean, you're even saying that this is is a cycle, but it's almost a cycle that we keep going through as we go through the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we start serving and doing things, and then we recognize even more the reality of who God is, and we're persuaded even more uh, that he is reliable, and then we can believe even to a deeper level, and so it just keeps on circling, yep. and we can just really begin to grow more. And we found that actually that pattern in a lot of the unpacking studies, mm-hmm. right? That it becomes cyclical in nature or spiral, yeah, you know, etc. So let's go ahead and give some different analogies um, to to do this. And by the way, some of you who are listening, um, you may hear this analogy: "Oh, that that's that's a horrible analogy. That that doesn't work, you know, etc." Like with like with the triune God, the fire, or <laughs> yeah. water, or whatever. Understand that analogies, if, if we always need to recognize that analogy will always fall short, mm-hmm. but an analogy can still give a basic principle that someone can visualize. Yeah. So, so please don't like hyper judge or hyper criticize these analogies because someone else, it, it, it may be what clicks for them, right? Mm-hmm. So one analogy, one of my favorite ones, and this helps kind of understand the difference between the belief and the trust is imagine like I grew up in, so I grew up really in East Peoria, Illinois, but imagine I grew up in, in Niagara Falls area. And so I spent my childhood on Saturdays going down to Niagara Falls, and there was this showman, this, this entertainer, whatever, and he would do all this crazy stuff. He, he would build this um, tightrope across the falls there, and then he would juggle and, and, and walk blindfolded and all that jazz. And I used to see that like every weekend, and I saw some amazing things from that guy. Mm-hmm. So imagine then we're headed back up to Niagara Falls, and I'm taking you and some other people up there to kind of you know visit for the weekend. And I was like, all right, so we need to go check out this guy, this, this crazy guy. There's all these amazing stunts. So we head down there to the falls. And that day, um, he's there, and he goes, all right, today, guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and he had a wheelbarrow with him, Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk this wheelbarrow across the tightrope, and I'm going to do it with somebody in the wheelbarrow. Oh, boy. (laughs) Now, if you've ever actually tried to to use a wheelbarrow, it can be wobbly, right, because it has the Mm -hmm. front wheel, and and, and that's it. So you can imagine that on a tightrope over the falls. So some of you guys that are there, you're like, no way. You know, no way anybody can can do that. And I hadn't seen him do it yet. But I tell you guys, listen, I've seen that guy do blindfolded. I've actually seen him do a somersault slowly on the tightrope. Um, I've seen him juggle. I've seen him do splits. You know, I've seen him do some amazing things. So I truly do believe mm-hmm. that he could put somebody in the wheelbarrow and take it across. I really do believe that. Um, if I trust him, I volunteer to be in the wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that difference there, that, that the belief, you know, there's a sincere belief that it can be done or that he's that type of person. And then there's the trust, which is to take it one step further. I really do believe that when it comes to salvation and biblical living and all that, faith equals belief plus trust, where belief is that sincere acknowledgement that I think Jesus is who he says he is and he can do those things. Mm-hmm. Trust then takes it to the next level. Uh, and so one side note with that, in the Bible, because the Bible kind of uses the, the terms faith and belief and trust interchangeably, 
understand that when you're reading a passage in the English and it's talking about faith or belief or trust, it may be talking about that intellectual cognitive acceptance component. Mm -hmm. It may be talking about more of the active, deeper component. It may be talking about both. And so you're going to have to read into the context of, of who, you know, the writer Paul, whoever it is, James, uh, to get more into that. Just kind of FYI. Yeah. Um, what's another analogy that, that you like? Another analogy that I've seen is uh, just the whole analogy of um, God is like God and the Holy Spirit as just like a dance instructor. Mm-hmm. And so you're going through and you um, are just following the direction of how God's leading you. And it's um, it's not you just if you're dancing with someone, you can't just run off and do your own thing because right. you'll step on toes. You'll get hurt and all this other stuff. Let the expert lead. Yeah. And yeah. so. As you go through life, uh, just allowing God to actually lead you as you navigate through. Because you're not a mannequin yeah. that he's just spinning around the mm-hmm. floor. So you need to believe that he's a good dance instructor. Yeah. And then you need to get out on the dance floor. And actually do something. And actually do it. And I, whenever we give that analogy, I always say, now keep in mind, our dance instructor right now is invisible and tangible and inaudible, so it makes yeah. it a little more difficult. Um, another analogy is the uh, the car analogy, which is, and I heard this when I was in high school, and it always it kind of stuck with me. But imagine you're on the road to life, and, and your car, you're driving your car, and your car represents your life. Um, at the end of the highway, or at the end of the road, at the end of the journey, there's a toll, and you have to pay a toll to get into the paradise, the right, the paradise country or heaven or whatever. Yeah. And understanding that you can't afford. Um, that that toll, right? You you can't do it, but Jesus can. He's got like a bag of coins, like like magical tokens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Each token gets somebody in, and so the idea is you need to have Jesus in your car, um, so he can pay the token um, to get you into into heaven. And so now he may be in the back seat. You know, when I talk about my prodigal son stage, he was in the trunk. Hmm. Um, but, but if he's in the car to pay the toll, great, but you really want him up the front seat as your co-pilot or as the driver himself or alternate back and forth between mm-hmm. those. And that's more of the trust, right? So if you believe that he's the one that pays the tokens, then you invite him into your car, into your life. Um, and then if you believe he's also a really good driver, then you actually may let him drive or, or co-pilot. Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other analogies that you might give? Um, well, I mean, one biblical analogy of just trusting is, when Moses was, no, not Moses, Abraham, I apologize, uh, but he took his son to the, uh, the Lord said, hey, take your son Isaac and go to the top of this mountain um, and there's going to be a sacrifice up there. He's like, okay, cool, I'll, I'll go. Uh, and he finds out that his son is going to be the sacrifice. Um, and so goes up the mountain and he even ends up telling his servant, he's just like, we'll be back. Uh, even though he was going to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. And uh, at the top of the mountain, you may have heard the story, but basically he <laughs> is he um, makes the altar and gets his son on it, ties him up, and then is raising the knife to kill his son. And the angel of the Lord is just like, no, stop, don't touch him. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a ram instead. And so just going through that whole process of, I'm not sure how God is going to do this. Um, but I know that he's going to because he's promised, he has all these promises for me and this is my mm-hmm. only son. Yeah. I think Hebrews even references that he knew that God could raise from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was he was actually planning on killing his son and maybe assume that God was just going to raise him from the dead after that. Right? Yeah. 
Um, and so some other other biblical examples, um, you know, God declares that a flood is coming, and Noah accepts the reality of it and then builds the ark. Mm-hmm. And so there, there was that, remember, there's the, there was the reality, and then there's like being persuaded of that reality and then and then acting on it. Yeah. And so so there was the reality where that, that God was going to bring a flood. And so Noah got persuaded or convinced of that, and so then he builds the ark. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, Moses... Just talking about Moses, uh, God ordained him as the leader of the Exodus, and he really wasn't sure. He wasn't sure about all that, um, but eventually came around, and he ended up dealing with Pharaoh directly. Yeah, so God was telling him, "Here's the reality of what's going to happen between mm-hmm. you and Pharaoh," uh, and then Moses got convinced of that and then acted accordingly. Yeah, um, we see also with Moses, um, he was told to speak to the rock. I think this is at Meribah. Uh, I think it's the name of the rock. Um, and he wavered at first. Well, actually, so the first time it went around, God says, um, strike the rock and water will come. And Moses believed that that was true. So he struck the rock and the water came. Then the next time around, God tells him to speak to the rock. And Moses wavered on that and thought that, well, maybe I could speak, but it's probably better if I strike. Yeah. And so he struck the rock twice because he was always angry and ticked off at the Israelites. Uh, and God got really mad because he wasn't, wasn't showing the faith. That's, that's an example of not having the faith, right? Yeah, and then also just uh, in Jesus's ministry, he was a healer, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's different stories of, uh, and one in particular where the friends of the paralytic they knew that Jesus was a healer and they believed that, and so they lowered their friend through a roof in order for him to actually be healed. Um, another great example is is remember the uh, the bleeding woman? She'd been bleeding for twelve years, mm. and so um, she went. There's a Jesus had a large crowd. And she went into the crowd, and she thought to herself, maybe if I touch his, uh, the edge of his cloak, that I'll be healed. Yeah. And so she went up to, the, to him and did it, and then like power left out of him. He said, oh, power's left me, and, and who's touched me? And then his, his disciple was like, dude, you got a whole crowd of people, a bunch of people touch you. And he said, yeah. no, no, someone touched me for healing, right? They had a whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, it, what, what's interesting is, and I had, had done a, did a, or went to a, a seminar, and it was a guy talking about the more you understand the Jewish culture and background behind the text, the more you can actually understand what the Bible's saying. Yeah. And so Malachi 4.2 says, um, for those of you, I mean, this, for those of you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like a calf released from a stall. So it's a, it's a messianic prophecy. And it says, so those of you, who, the sun of righteousness, and it's S-U-N, not S-O-N, but, but it's a messianic term. Mm-hmm. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Wings is the Hebrew word kanapf. And kanaf actually just means like edge, like the edge of a table or whatever. But like a bird, the edge of his arm is the wings, mm-hmm. it's the feathers. And so they would use that kanaf several different ways. It was also used so rabbis would have tassels on the edges of their cloak. And so kanaf literally means edge, but could refer to the wings of a bird, could refer to the tassels on a, on a rabbi. Uh, and so, so what it's, that passage is saying is the son of righteousness, the Messiah, will rise with healing in his kanaf. Uh, and you'll got me to leave like a calf. So she believed that Jesus was the representation of that passage. She believed he was the Messiah. So it, that passage says the Messiah is going to have healing in his kanaf. And so she's like, huh, well, I think he's the Messiah. And so if I just touch his kanaf, it'll come true. So it was on faith that she did, did that, which is why he says your faith has healed you. Hmm. So just uh, cool, it's interesting there. Yeah, and then also just the centurion uh, yeah. whose daughter was sick. And uh, Jesus ends up, he comes up to Jesus and Jesus and says that his daughter needs to be healed. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come with you and I'll go and heal her. He's just like, no, no, you don't need to come with me. You can just do it from here. Uh, And so Jesus says, 
yeah, pretty much. I'm obviously paraphrasing. Right. Uh, but Jesus says, you're right, and ends up healing him, healing his daughter just right there. And a little note on that, it says that Jesus marveled at the Roman centurion's faith. Yeah. Um, he was almost perplexed. He was so amazed that that had happened. Hmm. And so understand that when you decide to place your faith in God, um, in Jesus as Lord, God marvels at that. He's just blown away, hmm. right? You know, he's just so happy how that how that played out. So, so those are some analogies. Let's explain a couple more ways of how we might define what faith is. Just again, so we're, we're trying to, to, to reach and, and, and yeah. make things click. So another thing, another way we could say of what is faith and belief and trust is first, again, understanding that initial reality of what, what's going on before you even begin to place your faith in. So we know that God is perfectly reliable in his love. He's always delighted uh, and invested in and contributing to the well-being of others, whether that's good or bad circumstances. And he intensely marvels at and responds to our faith and obedience with a huge variety of rewards. Mm-hmm. You know, he, this is a phrase, he, God is looking for people willing to become faithful. Mm-hmm. So he's looking for people who, are, who are, choose to believe in him and then that ongoing trust, right, because he can use them. Yeah, and that reminds me of something that I've heard before, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Mm-hmm. And so just that whole idea of God's not asking for you to be perfect right now before he can use you or before uh, you can grow in faith or anything like that. He really just wants a heart that's open to it, and then he can do the rest. That's a huge pattern in Scripture. God's looking for willing people more than he's looking for talented people because mm-hmm. he can use the willing more than he can use the non-willing talented, right? Yeah, and that's, I mean, we even see that in the real world. Yeah, because uh, you can train someone to do anything if they have the right heart and passion behind it. You can train someone to um, run sound at church. You can train someone to play an instrument. Like, there's a lot of different things that if you have someone that has the right attitude, they can do amazing things. Right. But on the flip side of that, if you have a talented person that's has stuck up, arrogant, uh, they feel entitled, they don't want to work. Like just that sort of mindset, it's, it's more much difficult. more difficult yep. to actually get them to do anything that yeah. is meaningful. So, so we have so we have God being reliable. He's intensely patient and nurturing, even in the, in the midst of of the sin that we do and our disobedience, etc. So, given all that, what can be another definition of faith? Faith is being persuaded by God to sincerely acknowledge who Jesus is, Lord and Savior, and then being progressively stirred up to walk in step with the Spirit, right? That's the whole maturity and sanctification and all that. Yeah. Um, some other ways that we can say this. Um, faith or belief or trust is being persuaded and convinced that God is reliable, giving credit to or affirming that God is trustworthy, sincerely confessing or acknowledging that God is faithful. Uh, that's like the recognition piece. Um, it's also a leading to a specific course of action, actively relying on or leaning on God, entrusting your safety or well-being with him, responding accordingly to his will or guidance, direction or commandments. That's the reliance piece. Mm-hmm. So you could say that like faith equals belief plus trust. You could say faith is both a recognition and a reliance upon. Yeah. Be another way that you could say it. Um, you can also see faith equals the internal belief plus external trust, or faith is internal belief leading to active trust, uh, with belief being primarily that cognitive and effective, both the intelligent and the emotional acknowledgement, leading to behavioral or active obedience, and then trust being primarily the behavioral active obedience rooted in the cognitive effective acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. 
Um, another way that you can say this is faith is being internally convicted of heart and mind that God is who he says he is and he's doing what he says he's doing and then actively leaning on him as you respond in obedience, standing still or stepping out as he directs. Another way that you can say this is uh, faith is God correctly convincing me that he is steadfast and reliable and me finding refuge in that fact by relying on God for my spiritual security. Yeah. Uh, would you give any other uh, versions of the definition of faith? I don't think so, but I really like the one, uh, it was one of the shorter ones, but faith is internal belief leading to active trust, because mm-hmm. uh, that just really succinctly summarizes the fact that you have to have substance to your faith. Like right. You need to have something that you're actually believing in, but then just that intellectual pursuit isn't enough to actually uh, impact your life There's in more. any meaningful way, and so it has to lead to that active trust. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first section that answers the first question of what is faith or belief or trust biblically. So now that we have we have an understanding of that, um, that, that again, the simple version we'll, we'll use as we kind of go through all this, faith equals mm-hmm. that belief plus trust. Belief is the acknowledgement, trust is the action. Um, how does it actually work? How does it actually play out? What are some of the details or nuances? Or if we look under the hood of faith, you know, what are we going to see there? So the first thing is, is you need to begin to understand the reality and, and when we get to the application stage, we're going to go more into that in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to, to see, you know, what is the proposal, right? What is, what, what is the truth that is being proposed here? And so you first need to learn what is the truth being proposed. Then it moves to that next thing, which is that persuasion, that you're being persuaded um, that that truth is real. Yeah. Now, again, that, that persuasion can come from God influencing you and then you choosing to do it. It can come from him compelling you. That's the whole secondary you know, uh, theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we leave that for the, for the listener. But having said that, I want to touch a, a moment on evidence. Yeah. Because faith is not, you know, there's always the Hebrew verse, which, which well, actually we're going to read that now. So Hebrews 11.1 1, uh, in the NASB says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. Some people hear that faith is blind. I would, I'd push back on that. Yeah. That it's not, it's not yeah. saying that, that you're supposed to, you know, you're just supposed to believe this without any evidence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, it would seem that evidence still plays a role, though the evidence will never be 100% conclusive. There'll, there'll be certain things that we're going to have to take you know, beyond the evidence. Another thing that actually reminds me of, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, um, though outwardly we're wasting away, and he goes through this phase, but at the end he says, therefore we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Mm-hmm. So when he says unseen, then he says fix your eyes on what is unseen. Yeah. He's referring to um, spiritual issues and things versus the tangible earthly. So even looking at here at Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen or unseen. Mm -hmm. It could be referring to that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of spiritual things. So it's not necessarily saying you're supposed to have faith without any evidence. It it would either say there's going to be some evidence or look at the spiritual evidence, right? Yeah, and I actually uh, just today saw a quote by a Puritan uh, theologian, Elton Trueblood, who said that faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Say it again. Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Oh, I like that. And so really what that's saying is we don't have a blind faith, which is right. what you were just saying. Right. Um, but it moves beyond we don't have a blind faith. What it actually consists of, the Christian belief and uh, faith and just all that, is trust without reservation. Mm-hmm. And so like we're that. convinced of the things that we know and can actually begin to start applying them. So we're convinced of the things we know. How did we 
come to the place to know those things? How did we learn them? So what are, and we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on this because again, we're trying to get like the big snapshot of all this, but what are some of the evidences that are out there that can help you place your faith in God? Because for example, I've heard people say, you know what? I just don't have that faith. And they almost use it as an excuse, like, hey, that's, I, don't, I don't have control over that. I just don't have the faith, et cetera. Yeah. I believe faith is always still a choice. Uh, and so the evidences haven't moved you, but there may be other evidences that do. Mm-hmm. And so one evidence that, you know, and so, so what I'm going to give you here is a list of different ones. And as you're listening, let's, let's say you're not a believer. And, you, and I like, you know, I always like using the phrase, you haven't drinking, drank the Jesus Kool-Aid yet. Um, and you're maybe you have a more skeptical or critical mind. And so as you're listening to this, you're like, nope, that doesn't do it. Nope, that doesn't do it. Hear me out, right? And, mm-hmm. and realize that for other people, maybe it doesn't for you, but another thing does, or that one actually does affect somebody, right? Yeah, or it can be a combination of these. Or, we yeah, don't want to say usually that this is. is just one. It's either this or this or this. Like it's normally some sort of combination something plants a seed another thing really just brings it to mm-hmm. fruition and right so that. so one thing that helps some people is they look at creation um, and they see that there's something greater behind it mm-hmm. that that there seems to be a fire in the equations and, and and the probability would seem to go beyond just by chance etc and so they know that there's probably some sort of creator some sort some sort of God out there and that begins leading them on that journey. Yeah, and then another thing that evidence comes from is something that we spent two episodes, <laughs> just a couple episodes, mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, just scripture is more than just an earthly man-made book. Uh, it's something that impacts us still today. Uh, and something you said that I've really liked is uh, the fact that we can read something written by a Jewish guy in the first century. Write a piece of po- we can read a piece of poetry on love, and it can actually impact my relationship today. Mm-hmm. Uh, two thousand years later is amazing, uh, and we. We go through a lot of those different things in uh, episodes 3.01 and 3.02, I believe. Yeah, so that, that leads into another thing that can persuade people, which is life change in others. So a lot of people, you know, they have that friend that they know, or they themselves are that person, yeah. where kind of BC, before Christ, or pre-Jesus, um, all this chaos and, and making all these bad decisions, et cetera, and then, and then having that moment when they're coming to, G, to Jesus and then actually, you know, sometimes we don't see a change, yeah. but other times, other times you see that change, and so that begins to persuade you, wow, that person really changed. Uh, maybe there's something to that. Mm-hmm. And then also a lot of people, uh, I don't necessarily want to say a lot of people, but something that is, uh, can be common is just having that cognitive and emotional, just like that clicking moment where everything just kind of comes together and it's like, oh, Okay, and just light bulb pops on and you really begin to realize uh, that all of this is true and uh, just really it resonates. Yeah, it yeah. just resonates with you and you just really understand what it is that people have been describing. To yeah. You. And then another way is like a, some sort of supernatural experience. So maybe some sort of you know supernatural peace set over them or we see in the Middle East with, with the conversions of, of Muslims yeah. um, mm-hmm. that they actually get these visions of Isa, of Jesus saying, come follow me, right? Um, so th- those are some of the examples. I'm sure there, there's more out there. So know that there's different evidences. And, you know, the Bible says, um, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so if, if you're listening and you want to believe, but you, you haven't made that decision yet and you haven't been convinced, ask God. Say, God, if you're out there, show yourself to me. And by the way, there's a timing to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, don't, and don't define it. You must show yourself to me in this way. Yeah. Keep an open, open-minded, and then open-eyed as you look. And I really do believe if you're if you're sincerely not in some sort of mean, you know, uh, ticked-off defensive way, mm-hmm. but if you're sincerely moving towards God, then He will move towards you, right? So, so then, and then with that, to kind of keep going, there's a when we did the study, we found there was a number of different things 
kind of going with this evidence to make sure you're in the right place, mind and heart, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, these are our help, uh, aids or things that will help you or assist you leading up to you getting your faith. So again, yeah. we're getting the practical application of how this works. So if I want to believe, what are some things that are helpful for me? One is, and this is kind of a dirty word in um, in, in our American uh, culture sometimes, but humility, or we define humility as being weak. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to do a whole unpacking on humility, and it's actually it's a place of strength. Mm-hmm. But anyways, humility, knowing your place, um, you know, that, that a submissive mindset and heart set to the idea of God can really help. Yeah, and then also just recognizing that no matter what, you are trusting in something. Um, it's really an issue of intentionally choosing what is that thing that you're trusting in in, every, in any given moment. So are you going to trust in yourself that you uh, have just if you pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you'll be able to make it through life and just figure out things or are you recognizing just really with the whole idea of humility and submission mm-hmm. that you can't do this on your own and you need something else to be um, relying in and you can intentionally choose to be trusting in that thing? So that's a good point because what we have to remember is everybody has faith. Mm-hmm. The question is faith in what? Faith in money, faith in fame, faith in themselves. Faith in science. Faith in luck. Yeah, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so it's like, well, wait, well let me, and, you know, and part of my story with my prodigal son stage was I, was, I had faith in myself. So let me go ahead in my 20s, do life my way. Turns out I'm not very good at it. Yeah. You know, the jail time and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So, so learning by the end of my 20s that apparently I can't trust myself yeah. um, and other humans are just as messed up as I am. So, you know, and I grew up in a, in a strong Christian family. And so let me go back to that right? mm-hmm. uh, and, and trust in that higher power. Um, another thing that is very helpful uh, leading up to this is to recognize, and, and, and we're kind of uh, showing our cards here with our theology, but that, that this is open to everyone. Yeah. That nobody is in a place where, oh, you know what? Even if I wanted to place my faith in God, he wouldn't accept me. He wouldn't have me. So not true. Don't ever believe that. Anybody who wants to place their faith in God, God will take it. Yeah. And then also just recognize that this whole process is extremely difficult, but it's also extremely rewarding. And this goes back to the whole idea that we discuss in episode 1.02 with the whole idea of sweet and sour. Uh, There's different aspects Mm -hmm. of this that this is hard. Like we don't want to negate that. Like this isn't just some easy like. Yeah, I guess I'll do that. Sure. Uh, it it has to be intentional. It's difficult, but it's also just so extremely rewarding. And later on, we're going to get to w- why that is rewarding. Right. Another thing, this is pretty straightforward uh, of what will help you with the faith or what leads up to it. It's just seeking him. Mm-hmm. You can't. A lot of people like I, I heard people say, I'm just waiting. You know, God hasn't shown himself to me. And so mm-hmm. it is what it is. You need to seek him. Um, he's, he's looking for that commitment there. And so you want to call on him. You want to learn who he is and what he's doing. You can get that, you know, the gospel, the good news. You want to be studying scripture and maybe trying out prayer and walking with other strong believers and help have them help you with it, right? Yeah, and along those lines, uh, I've heard it said that, because um, I feel like an objection to that might be, well, why isn't God seeking me? Like, why do I have to seek well, God? And, and the part of that is God's already taken the first step. Right. He's right. already He's already chasing after you, and he wants that restored personal relationship. And so what you're doing is you're just 
more or less, this might not be the right way to word it, but just holding up to your end of the bargain. Yeah, and and so you know, because he says we love him because he first loved us, mm-hmm. and then it also says draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. So it really is that is that combination. Yeah, and then also just uh, as we're leading up to faith and trying to figure out what all this means, just recognizing that it's a gift from God, and so what we need to be doing is walking in step with the Spirit, fixing our eyes on Christ. The whole idea in Hebrews twelve one and two. Uh, and then also just a parallel with Philippians 3, running the race, ignoring what's behind and looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah. And then another thing that will help you is is to use mental sharpness. Use that careful discernment to really increase your knowledge, you know, inspl- uh, explore, investigate, yeah. use um, rationality, try to wrap your mind around it, while also at the same time recognizing that it is a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a balance there with that. Yeah, and then also just recognizing that you need to be fearing God more than the seen and external things of life. That, um, And this goes back to eternal, internal, external, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what episode that is off the top of my head, but it's yeah. a, back in season one. Yeah. Um, but just that whole idea that we need to recognize that the external things going around us, that's not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And we also touched on this a lot in the Heaven episode, just yeah. one episode earlier, um, that that's not the end of the story, and there's something greater out there. And so we need to really make sure that we're focusing on God and fearing Him instead of what's going on around us. And side note on the fearing Him, because we've, we've already done the unpacking study group on fear mm-hmm. uh and so we'll be doing that as a podcast soon um in the in the in the hebrew the main one of the main words used for fear means to like shake or tremble and so one of the things that we discovered was you can shake or tremble in afraidness you can also shake and tremble in excitement mm-hmm. so imagine like like you know you take your little uh, eight-year-old nephew to walt disney and you guys are pulling in the parking lot and you can see all the stuff in the distance and you look back in the car there and he's just shaking he's not necessarily scared he's just all super excited yeah. so fear the lord one of the guys that took the study talks about how it's probably 99 percent shaking in excitement and one percent shaking in afraidness mm-hmm. uh, and that's really helpful to kind of wrap our mind around that so i just wanted to throw that out there but yeah. we'll we'll do a whole podcast on that later mm-hmm. anyways so those are some things that that can actually help you you know with the faith mm-hmm. inversely there's things that can hinder you that that can make difficult or that can make faith more difficult so one thing is um i never can pronounce this word but na- naivety 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 yeah i think yeah naivety yeah that's what it'd be mm-hmm. uh not knowing yeah um, if you're not knowing and not understanding some of this reality or the proposal of the truth, it's going to be hard. Yeah, and then also uh, if you have an unhealthy fear, mm-hmm. and so like that fear flinching and dismay, um, just uh, maybe not necessarily of God, although it could be that, but just like the process, not really sure, just being uh, – <laughs> one of my professors referred to this as uh, – oh, what did he say? It was – analysis paralysis Mm. and so going through life like you haven't figured it all out and so you just stop and you can't move forward because you haven't figured it out and so just being afraid uh just really of that unknown and really and with that the doubt or worry anxiety right yeah Yeah. um so another thing is the self-sufficiency this goes back to kind of my my part of my story Mm -hmm. if you're if you're constantly striving uh to do things on your own then it's going to hinder you placing your faith in God. Yeah, and I mean, just right along those lines, relying on things of the world. And so thinking that money is going to get you through a power or influence or uh, just all those different things can really be a barrier to having uh, faith in Christ and just really arrogance. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't need to be persuaded. I have this figured out. I have the right answer. Um, I've looked into this. I'm right. Uh, that just goes back to the whole idea that we've talked about, about holding your opinion humbly and with an open hand. And yeah. so then people can see what you're talking about. You're not tightly grasping it. And so um, there's a lot of tension when you're tightly grasping. But there's just openness and just presenting your idea, uh, still being confident in it. Right. We're not saying to minimize uh, what you believe. But, but not holding your own beliefs too tightly. Uh, yeah. That there is no God or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because it comes down to a, you're almost like refusing to be persuaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing we noticed in the study, it talked about if one is quick-tempered, hmm. quick-tempered, uh, and actually anger can actually hinder one's faith. Yeah. So, so those are some things leading up to it. Then you get into the, the, the mechanics of it all. So as you're actually choosing to place your faith in, in God, in Christ, there's some things to, to keep in mind. One, this was actually encouraging when we did the study. This is a weighty, important, critical decision really the decision Mm -hmm. that somebody needs to make. And one of the things that we learned was it really is an obligation or a duty. Now, we have the choice to accept that or not. But just for whatever reason, it persuaded me that, you know what? I actually have an obligation Mm. to place my faith in God because he created me and he knows better than I do. And so really it's it's my duty as a created being to to place that faith in here and to really live a life worthy of his name. And we won't get into this now, but the, we knew we talked about that. There's an coming accountability session. Hmm. Um, we we may discuss that a little bit later, but anyway. yeah. And just a little side note on that: what's really cool is the story of Christianity isn't that because it is your obligation, you should do it out of obligation, right? Um, that you like need to be coerced into believing in Christ. Like that's not the God that we serve. Uh, we serve a God that's very open and just willing to have a, a relationship with you. And he's not going to coerce you into it. He's not going to right. force you. Uh, just that whole idea is actually really encouraging. Yeah. And so, and so I'm looking at the notes here. We had then the next part is that two part deal of belief and trust. Mm-hmm. So there's that being persuaded and acknowledging yeah. that Christ is Lord. And I place my hope in God and, and rely on his character and his works and his plans and his timing and his commands and his promises and all that jazz. And then there's that progressive action, which yeah. is more of the works element. And so, and so this is a big one for me. The, the belief is that, you know, internal acceptance of Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of that that becomes an all or nothing thing. You either accept Jesus as Lord or you don't. Yeah. Then there's that active reliance and trust, which could be one ounce, six ounces, 30 pounds, eight tons, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that becomes a much more degree type thing um, with that. So that was another thing we learned with faith. So, so is faith all or nothing? We would say maybe belief is all or nothing, yeah. but then the trust part is more of an ongoing degree thing. And so because faith is belief plus trust, faith has both an all or nothing component and a degree component. Yeah, and there's actually uh, an analogy that I have that I think touches on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Um, I was at a church around here, and the pastor actually quoted at a, something that D.A. Carson explained. And he was saying, okay, so let's imagine that we are in the first century. Uh, and we're Jews, um, and it's the first Passover in Egypt. And so we're both sitting there. There's been a lot of plagues going around just with the Egyptians, some crazy stuff going on uh, because Moses has been going and talking to Pharaoh. And uh, we hear that the angel of death is going to come through and kill the firstborn children mm-hmm. of everyone in the land. And we hear, uh, you and I both hear that we need to, in order, the only thing we have to do in order for our firstborn not to be killed, is to take a lamb, kill it, and put blood on our doorposts. And I say, um, 
man, I'm not really sure about this. Like that, I don't really know if it's going to happen or um, if like I, I'm scared. Like what? Mm-hmm. Are, are you sure that's going to work? Like, is that going to actually happen? And you're just like, no, you know what? It's the promise of the Lord. Bring it on. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put it on my doorpost. And I'm entirely confident that mm-hmm. it won't happen. Because if I do this, then the Lord said it's not going to happen. It's like, I'm not really sure. But we both do it. Which okay. which one of our which one of our firstborn dies? So one of us is totally confident. And says, yeah, this is the way it is, and, and paints the doorpost that With, first mm-hmm. Passover. The second one is not quite as sure, but in the end makes that decision to go ahead and do it, yeah. and paints the doorpost. And your question is, which one is which protected? One, which yeah, both are protected. Yeah, and that's the whole idea that it's not in uh, how confident we are in the promise, but it's. The actual issue is the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact that it's not based off the quality of our faith, it's based off the object of our faith. And so if we put our faith in Christ, uh, then he is sufficient in order to save us. Um, and it's not necessarily just the quality of it, although we do agree that like you have to acknowledge that Christ has is to be king. sincere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we don't want to say that, but just it's really comforting to know that as we go through life, faith isn't dependent on how much faith we have because Jesus even talks about having the faith of a mustard seed. Right. Uh, and so the actual issue is the object of our faith. So a couple other comments on this whole degree thing, because we were talking beforehand about, um, wait, wait, don't, don't you just, you either believe or you don't, right? Yes and no. I mean, it's more complex than that. And, mm-hmm. and the reason why we wanted to voice this in this section is I've met numerous people who they have always been kind of taught you either 100% believe mm-hmm. or you 0% believe. And they will sit there and they'll tell me, I don't 100% believe it because I don't have the 100% proof. I really do think it. In the end, yeah. I've made the decision. I think Jesus is Lord. I believe that he's God in the flesh. But if I'm being totally honest and vulnerable, I can't say that I'm like 100% certain. Does that mean I'm not saved? Mm-hmm. And, and I, no, because you, cause like the doorpost is a really good analogy. You still put your eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, and so I think that sometimes as humans, it's more comfortable for us to think all or nothing. And for some people, it is all or nothing. Mm-hmm. But for others, it's not. And I always want to respect that and kind of meet them you know, where they're at. And so we talked about in the study that knowing that, that faith is a, um, can, can be a gradual thing. It can be of degrees. It can even falter or fail. It necessarily entails trials and suffering, and that, mm-hmm. and that those trials and sufferings can, can bring your faith back for a little bit, and then later on they can strengthen it. Mm-hmm. So your faith is always kind of going in and out. So there's times where in the moment I, I'm not trusting in God, mm-hmm. but I always believe that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. So even when I'm not trusting in God in the moment, but I believe Jesus is Lord, I'm still safe. I'm still in the boat. I'm just not in the water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, we talked about that I must, I must intentionally continue you know, in that. Uh, and when I wonder, oh, this is another thing. In the, he, uh, let me think about this. One's in Hebrew, one's, one's in, I think, in James. And one phrase says that those who, uh, this can of worms, but those who wander from the, from the faith can't come back. Wait, wait, wait. Those that fall away. That's Hebrews 6. Those that fall away, you can't, like, go back again. But, but then in James it says if one has wandered from the faith and you bring him back, there can be a celebration. Mm-hmm. So the way that I understand that is it's possible for you to wander away in your faith, um, the idea being that you still believe in Jesus but you're not trusting him because yeah. you're mad at him or, or whatever. He hasn't answered your prayers. That's okay. Um, the, the prodigal son always believed that his dad was his dad. Hmm. He didn't, you know, he dishonored his dad and he was being disobedient, that kind of deal, but he always recognized his dad was his dad, and so he was always still his son. 
Um, and so I want to encourage people. There's times when you're wandering in your faith and, and, you're, and the doubt sets in. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It's still kind of, This is why I like the faith equals belief plus trust. Yeah. The trust may not be there, but if you really do sincerely believe that Jesus is Lord, even despite that lacking trusting some of the other areas or issues, you're still safe. Just you, and again, I always encourage people to go back to the trust. Yeah. But but I want to encourage people with that. Um, go ahead. Because along those lines, we're not saying once you get in and you believe that Jesus is King, uh, just go ahead and live however you want. And, right. Yeah, we're not uh, saying that, right? Because I want to be careful how I say this, but in an aspect that would be true. Um, <laughs> right. But you're not going to have any of the benefits that come from a relationship with Christ if you're not actively pursuing it and you're living in a way that's contrary to uh, what God has for you. Yeah, because your sin is forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, this goes to First John. Yeah, and which, so there's a lot of different yeah. passages that talk about, well, if you never actually start, like if there's no works uh, in James, yeah. are you actually uh, a believer? And that's a whole other discussion we're not going to have right now. But... Uh, just wanted to throw that out there yeah. for you guys. So a couple other things with degrees in faith. I know that like even when your faith is wavering, um, persistent prayer can refresh and encourage you. It also being just a practical thing. Start being, um, start placing your faith in, in say smaller, easier things, mm-hmm. and then moving your faith to the bigger things. Start becoming more reliable with the small things, and yeah. then you can become more reliable with the big things. Um, several other things with this idea that faith is in degrees, not all or nothing. Romans 12, 3 and 6, and 1 Corinthians 12, 9 talks about we're each given a measurement of faith, and it mm-hmm. seems that there's different measurements to that faith. We know from Luke 17, 5, and 2 Corinthians 10, 15, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, that our faith can be increased, whether that be a stronger conviction belief or a stronger reliance trust. Yeah. Um, we know that our faith can be weakened or choked with the parable of the seeds, that we can wander and stray at times, but we haven't lost our salvation. So what we were just saying, Romans 14, 1, Matthew 13, 7, 1 Timothy 6, 10 and 21, James 5, 19 to 20, John 10, 28 to 29. Mm-hmm. Um, though it, it, it also, uh, mm, I'm looking at my notes as I read this. I want to wait for a second on yeah. that, because that's going to get into the can you lose your salvation, mm-hmm. which we'll discuss later. Um, so anyways, so that was just some, some com- notes I wanted to make on, on the degrees of faith. Um, so we're still in this idea of the mechanics of, of what faith looks out look, looks like and the, and the progressive action of it all. And so I wanted to make a, uh, a couple comments on this, some more analogies to help kind of understand this, that as you, you've placed your belief and you've you know, been persuaded and convinced of, of who God and Jesus are, and then you begin this active trust that it is that progressive action. This is where the works come in. Oh, and actually, we can go ahead and say this now because you made the comment of, well, if they don't have any fruit, yeah. they're not saved. Keep in mind that whether you have one ounce of fruit or 10 pounds of fruit, you still have fruit. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at somebody and, and you, well, I don't see fruit. Okay, so do you see them 24-7? Yeah. Can you see the unseen inside them? No. So yes, it's, is it problematic that there's no evident f- fruit running around? Sure, but don't say they're not saved. And it's interesting along those lines because Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, called them whitewashed tombs. And he had a lot to say about their out, outward expression of what seemed to be fruit to a lot of different people, mm-hmm. but their internal hearts weren't in the right place. And so there's something to be said that a lot of times, uh, well, backing up a second, fruit it's the fruit of the Spirit that we see. Right. And so it's uh, God pouring himself out through people. It's a lot of times what we see is people managing to come up with some artificial version of that on their on mm-hmm. their own. And so you see someone being nice to someone and you're just like, oh, that's love. Well, it might be. Right. Um, but 
it's also something much deeper when it's actually of the spirit. Right. And so if you sit there and say, well, I see this and this and this from this person, you might just be seeing an artificial version of what true fruit actually looks like. All of that to say, we need to be really careful when yep. we start um, making character judgments, because really that's just not our place right. at well, all. We, can't, we don't have 100% knowledge. And we might see someone that is displaying a lot of fruit, quote-unquote, and say they're spiritual, but then see someone that's not, quote-unquote, and say they're not. But the person that's n- not demonstrating what we would call fruit mm-hmm. is actually internally struggling with their life and where they're at. Right. And they are desperately searching for God, where the other person is just uh, living in a way to get praise from men. And so it's just a li- it's just more complicated than we like to, it to be. Right. And so and so with this works issue, sometimes people, there's a, you know this is another big argument about what what role does works play in faith? Mm-hmm. Where you know Paul would say there's in Romans there's no works you don't boast, but then James would say um, faith without works is dead. Yeah. And even Paul says in Ephesians um, he talks about like that you that this world we're wired and um, created to do good works, mm-hmm. right? So one thing, um, and I'm probably going to paraphrase here, but it was very helpful for me when I heard it, is understanding going back to that faith equals belief plus trust. Paul in Romans, when he's talking about we're not doing the work so that you can boast, he's emphasizing the belief component. Mm-hmm. And then James, when he talks about works without faith, faith without works is dead, he's emphasizing the trust component because the yeah. trust is where the works kind of come in. So I really like that because what it's they're not actually contradicting each other. They're just emphasizing different, different aspects. Different aspects under the under the cur- under the cloth umbrella. there. Yeah, the yeah. umbrella. And so they both would agree that faith equals belief plus trust. Trust would entail works. Mm-hmm. So the belief is the salvific. So it's th- I mean, I, mean uh, I wish I had a whiteboard to kind of show all this. If faith equals belief plus works, Paul would say it's the belief that gets you saved, mm-hmm. not the trust slash works. But then um, James would say, but keep in mind that faith without works is dead. So faith equals belief plus trust. Yeah. So what got, So maybe like one way to understand this is Paul would say it's the belief that gets you in, not the trust. Mm-hmm. But he used the word faith when he said that. Or I'm sorry. It's the, uh, it, yeah, it's the belief that gets you in, not the trust. Or it's the belief that gets you in, not the works. And he used the term faith. So it's the faith that gets you in, not the works. James says, but keep in mind, it's both the it's you need to do both the belief and the works. Yeah. So James would agree, it's the belief that gets you in, but he would all, but he he used the broader definition of faith, mm-hmm. um, and so he was including both. So this is where we have to get into the context and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I heard a really helpful sermon on what James is actually talking about from Matt Chandler out of the Village Church in Texas, uh, and he basically was saying. Uh, And he was reading out of a a translation where James says, faith without works is useless. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have any ability to help you at all. And he used the example of two people that uh, one person says, yeah, I believe that that chair will uh, support me. Uh, It's good structurally sound. I know the designer. uh, He knows what he's doing, has made good chairs in the past. Uh, That's a good chair. And then another person walks up and says, okay, so how about you sit down? He's like, I don't want to sit down. Uh, I, I've had bad experience with chairs in the past. I, I, mm, you know, I, I could sit down, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to. And so it's just this whole idea of if you, and what that's really saying is if you only have the belief, um, 
well, I don't want to go there. But like just that whole idea of um, faith without works being useless and just the different context of those two right. passages. So one more thing on that then it, in, um, is this like, so kind of hammering home this belief plus trust, hammering home the boat riding in the water, walking, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the belief, you either believe or not, and that's salvific. The trust is more the sanctifying. I think I said this earlier. Um, and that is where you're really maturing in your faith. Yeah. And you're starting to work out a bunch of the details. You're starting to fill in the gaps. You're starting to become more of that complete version of you. So I'm a huge believer in there's the initial belief, which is joining the boat. And then there's the ongoing trust, which mm-hmm. is the maturity. So much so that the next episode that we release is going to be on maturity. So yeah. we're actually going to take that whole kind of trust component and go even further in detail. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, we're showing we're, 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 we're presenting tons of information. Yeah. And there might be a few of you that's going to try to soak it all up like a sponge. And, and that's fantastic. But if, if all this stuff, if, you, if you're listening, you're exercising, you're in your car or whatever, like, oh, my goodness, this is so much stuff. Be looking for the, the, the takeaway points that, you know, that are resonating mm-hmm. with you. Um, so one other comment on this with the, the trust and reliance. Um, let me think about this, for example. This was my, my buddy, Yong Lee, that I've talked about in that chart that he did and the George Mueller example. I'm actually, you know what? I'm not going to say that now because it's going to go more to the trust. Yeah. So remind me when we do the maturity episode yeah. um, that I, I, I bring that up. I'm mm-hmm. not going to bring it up now. Um, and so then one other point that I want to make on the second question, which is, you know, how does faith work? In the Bible, um, you're going to see it talks about the faith. So normally when it's using faith and belief and trust, it's everything we've said. Sometimes it talks about the faith, and the faith could refer to the body of believers, the body of Christ, yeah. or it could refer to God's overarching plan and parameters and rules and commandments. It can also refer to that. Yeah. So just understand that sometimes when we were reading, when we were doing the studies, it came across the faith. We're like, wait a minute, this isn't necessarily talking about the belief and trust. Mm-hmm. It's just talking about the body of believers or the, the, the set of rules, et cetera. So I just wanted to throw that out there as, as a little side note. So, so that, that answers question two. So we've got kind of what is faith and, and then how does it work? I want to do a quick tangent before we get to the third of the four questions. And the quick tangent is this brings up a whole bunch of questions. Yep. Um, and so when we were, even when we were doing the heaven study, we did reference this a little bit, um, but we didn't, we didn't go into it. And so I, and I, I said, we'll, we'll do that with faith. Well, now we're here in faith, and so now I want to do a little bit. But we are going to rapid fire this because we could do um, – we could almost do an episode like on each one of these questions. Yeah. So let's just kind of rapid fire through that. So one question is, um, but is God really that reliable? Does he actually keep his promises? Um, like I understand what faith is. I just don't know if I have faith in that because mm-hmm. I've seen bad happen, etc. We can't answer that question now because a lot of it revolves around why does a good God allow suffering? Hmm. So when we do the good and evil uh, and suffering episodes— we're going to elaborate more on that. Yeah, and because uh, that just deserves such a long—because it's such an honest question. Yeah, I don't want to blow it off. Yeah. I want to I want to reserve a whole episode and for And give it. it the actual time that yeah. it deserves. Uh, just another question you guys might be asking, and we've alluded to this already, but how are we persuaded and convinced? Is that something that uh, does God teach us and convince us? And so why why doesn't he convince us all? Or uh, does God choose— che- 
Here we go. God teaches us and we choose to be convinced. And then how is free will not deterministic? And we already have alluded to this, but we're going to spend a whole episode talking about just that whole free will determinism. How does all this work? What's the implications of that? And so we also think that that's a great question and we want to spend more time addressing that. So another question is, so you guys have been talking about faith and belief and trust, and you have referenced in God or in Jesus, but can you give me more specifics, more in detail? What exactly am I supposed to be convinced of or persuaded? What am I actually supposed to acknowledge? And so we talk about a number of things. Am I just supposed to acknowledge that God exists? No, we would say yes, that and more. Mm-hmm. Um, am I supposed to acknowledge that God is sovereign? Yeah, Oh, the, the, this part becomes tough because we're getting into, but I guess the question, well, let me, let me read this phrase and ask you a question. Okay. So maybe, so am I supposed to acknowledge that God is sovereign? Am I supposed to acknowledge that God is good? Am I supposed to acknowledge that Christ is God? Am I supposed to acknowledge that Christ died for my sins? Am I supposed to acknowledge that the Bible is true? Am I supposed to acknowledge specific doctrine? Am I supposed to acknowledge God's specific will for each of us in any given situation or something else? So the question here is what exactly do, am I supposed to be acknowledging or believing in? Mm-hmm to get to heaven. And to me, Romans 10.9 is like the answer. I always come back to Romans 10.9. And so Paul says in Romans 10.9, he says, therefore, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. and you sincerely believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I did a whole like Greek study of that, that um, if you acknowledge with your mouth, to acknowledge is to sincerely recognize is true. Mm-hmm. So it's talking about sincerity there. Um, that that Jesus is Lord. Lord is curious. It means like master. Yeah. So he is the divine master. He is God in the flesh, and he is the ruler of all things. Um, and that you believe in, in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So what he's saying here is the whole crucifixion Calvary part, that, that Jesus died on the cross to atone for your sins, which we'll, we'll get into later what that means, um, and that you have to sincerely believe that he died on the cross uh, to atone for your sins, and then that God raised him from the dead on the third day or three days later, then you'll be saved, saved, sozo, delivered, preserved, made whole. So for me, if, if the question specifically is, what am I supposed to actually believe to get into heaven? I say you need to believe that, that Jesus is Lord um, and Savior, that he is the divine master and all of that. Or, well, the divine master. And then you also need to recognize that he's the Savior, the, the cross. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the details people want to add, and you also have to believe this detail, this detail, this detail. This. No, I think that comes with time. may not come at all this side of the gates. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hold to a simple salvation. That God, you know, Second Peter three nine, Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think I think there's tons of complexities, mm-hmm. and I think it's really helpful to wrap your mind around the complexities and begin to understand the, the, the details more. But I believe that salvifically, God is just looking for that core. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior? And if you do, great, you're in now. You've recognized that He is the King of the Kingdom of Heaven, so now you can go in. Having said that, there's more. Let's go for that. But you know. Yeah, and uh, there was a pastor that I heard recently speak uh, named Chris Hodges. I don't remember where he pastors at, but it's a large church. And he said that your view of God determines your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because I also agree that you only need this baseline thing in order to actually uh, enter into that relationship with Christ. But it is so important for us to actually understand who God is because you can only worship God to the level that you understand him. It's true. Uh, and he used the, uh, the this example in his message and was talking about if you um, 
go and you play basketball, but you think you're going to get tackled the entire time, you're not going to do a very good job playing basketball. And it's the same thing with the Christian life. If we have a misunderstanding of who God is mm-hmm. and what this whole process is supposed right. to be looking like, we're going to go through thinking we're going to get tackled the whole time. And we're not going to be as effective in actually playing the game, so to speak, mm-hmm. as well as we could be. Oh, that's good. You're not going to play the game as well yeah. if you don't understand the details. Yeah. I mean, you can still stand out on the field. Right. Uh, if you think that you're going to get tackled when you play basketball, you can still play basketball. You might be able to score. You can pass. You can do – like, there's a lot of different components that you can do, but you're just going to have this unhealthy view of what's actually going on that's going to cripple you. Yeah. So let me, let me emphasize that point that what we're saying is um, there is a lot of complexity. It's really good. It's freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, to learn and wrap your mind around that, but it's not required for the salvation. Yeah. Um, so that leads to another question that we discussed, or we kind of touched on this already, but what is the minimum threshold of faith? So we talked about that you, you need to believe that Jesus is Lord. How certain, like blindly or with evidence, some evidence overall concluded with 100% certainty, that's going to vary from person to person. The, the behind the scenes degrees to all of it. It's just, but at the very minimum, you want to recognize Romans 10, 9. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's also that active, oh yeah, so there's that active ongoing transformation. This goes back to, I believe that the belief is salvific and the trust is sanctifying. So if one truly believes that Jesus is Lord, they're in the boat, they're going home, even if they're not good at it. Yeah. Some Christians hold to a higher degree of that, that not only do you have to believe in Jesus, you have to behave at a certain level. Actually, a lot of us are taught that. That you have to that you have to believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. and then you also have to perform at a certain level. Yeah, and if you don't perform at that level, you're not in. I reject that. Mm-hmm. I really do. I believe that you have to sincerely believe the John three sixteen and Romans ten nine. And yes, we are commanded to perform at a, at a higher level. But if we don't perform at that higher level, it doesn't mean that we're not saved. It just means that we're not being sanctified as much. And, and which we, short answer is, we, you receive less rewards and authority in heaven. Yeah. And then another question that you might be asking is just how does this whole act of reliance actually work? Is it something where God's doing all the work? Am I supposed to be doing all the work? Is it some sort of combination? We're actually going to talk about this more uh, right, in next, next episode, episode in the whole maturity discussion. But we both really think that it's some sort of combination of that. And at different times, God calls us to be doing different amounts of work. And so there are some times when we just need to stop trying to do it on our own and we need to rely right. on God fully. And um, just allow him to be working. But then there's other times that we really do need to be stepping up to the plate and making sure that we're doing our part. And this goes back to that graph I told you about and the George Mueller. Thanks to remind me when we do that study that we go there. Um, Another huge question. Can you lose your faith? And if if you can lose it, um, can you regain it later? Huge issue. Tons of debate on this. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to give you what the correct answer is because we're still human and we take our approaches. What I am going to do is I'm going to give you the three basic camps. Um, And I can tell you what you know what what mine is. So the first camp is no, you cannot lose your salvation. So this is the kind of the once saved, always saved. Once you make that initial decision to believe in Jesus, it's now stamped. They'll use like no one can snatch me out of of the Father's hand, or they'll use it that the Holy Spirit has like sealed for you. Mm -hmm. You know this this eternal life. And so they'll use those verses to kind of hold to that. And that's actually more of the camp. This is an area that Chan and I kind of disagree on because uh, I fall more into that camp and something that I have heard described is because um, a lot of that is just like, okay, so you prayed a prayer when you were six and so now you're saved. Well, um, a lot of times because we see people fall
fall away from the faith and they're not doing it anymore. And so a lot of times what it comes down to is if there was ever actually a real conversion initially, which that could be controversial and gets right. into a whole lot of different things, but um, just wanted to throw yeah, that so, out. So, so, the fir- so the first camp of the three is, no, you can't lose your salvation. Once you make that sincere commitment, you're mm-hmm. in, no matter what. Yeah. The opposite extreme camp is, yeah, you can lose your salvation if you keep on sinning. And so they might use like First John that says that he who's you know of God or loves God does not sin. Right? These very absolute statements. Yeah. So they would say that if you keep on like like a sheer volume of sin, or it's very intentional sin, or it's some of the more wicked sins, if you rank sins, which which I don't. Um, but they would say, yeah, you can lose your salvation um, if you sin enough. And now, like I, I grew up Nazarene, and Nazarenes would talk about backsliding. I don't fully understand all of it, but, but the understanding I had kind of grown up was, yeah, you can lose your salvation if you kind of sin, but you can always just regain it. So we talked about this kind of a running joke among Nazarenes as far as how many times have you been saved, right, you know, kind of deal. So that, that's the other end of the spectrum. Um, then there's the middle one, the, the middle camp, and people who know me know I'm a spectrum guy, and I usually try to land somewhere in the middle with all these yeah. things. And so what the middle one is is kind of like in between those two. So what they would say, they, when, when those that say, listen, you can't lose your salvation, even when you're sinning, your sinning hasn't lost your salvation. <clears throat> you haven't lost your salvation because of that, mm-hmm. because all the sin is forgiven, right? It's already atoned for. The middle camp says, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I still believe you can lose your salvation, just not through sin. And, and, and this is the camp that I'm in. And, 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 and you'll notice all three camps use verses. Mm-hmm. So this is where it's, it's a complex issue. What the middle camp said, what got me was there was a number of phrases. Um, uh, I have it written down here somewhere, but John, John 15 and some other ones. But the John 15 is the abide in me or remain in me. And so one of the things that jumped out at me was, because I grew up, you know, some more you can lose it. And then as I really started, understood some of the core passages, like no one can snatch you out. Well, no, no, you can't lose it. Mm-hmm. You can't send your way out of it. But then I kind of came back to the middle. Because the verses talk about abide in me, remain in me. And it's this command to continue. And, and there's multiple verses through the New Testament that yeah. say continue in your faith. And so what jumped out at me is, well, if it's commanding me and telling me to continue in my faith, that must be because it's possible that I don't, and it's why it's commanding me. Mm-hmm. Um, I.e., if, I can't, if, I, if there's no way for me not to continue in my faith, they wouldn't keep repeating that command because it was not even possible anyways. So that got me thinking, so maybe it's possible to um, stop believing. Again, so the first camp, like the camp that you're in, would argue, no, if you sincerely believe, you'll never not believe. I have found examples of different individuals that I, you know, so someone says, well, I used to believe and now I don't. That first camp that says you can't lose salvation would say, well, they they would never say. They never actually had that sincere thing. Maybe. Absolutely, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's also possible that they really sincerely believe that Jesus was Lord and then later unbelieved. And so for me, that's what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. So I, I am adamant that you cannot sin your way out of salvation. Mm-hmm. If you truly believe that Jesus is Lord and, and, and you're doing a whole bunch of sin, um, it's not good that you're doing the yeah. sin, but it doesn't lose your salvation. So I'm adamant. I'm with you in that group. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, I believe that it's possible. Like you have to continue to believe that Jesus is Lord. And it's possible that you may reject that later. And that, that to me would be the Hebrews 6 passage. Yeah. Um, and, and then therefore, and then you can't come back. And again, this goes back to these are just, we're, just, we're throwing the three camps out there. You, the listener, are going to be in whatever camp you're in. We're not trying to persuade you one way or the other. We're just explaining here's the three camps, here's their ideology and kind of how they come about to it. Yeah. And this is, uh, this. Uh, I'm going to go on a brief little tangent here. 
here. Uh, Something that we talked about last episode is we don't want you guys to get lost in the details. And if you uh, disagree with one little aspect of what we're presenting, uh, to negate everything that we just said. And so at some point, Shannon and I really, because we're both passionate about this, is how to disagree well with someone and how to maintain unity despite disagreement. Um, And so like this is an issue that we're not on the same page with completely. We're on very similar pages. But um, but the difference is because I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we can say, no, I'm right. You're wrong. I have my Bible versus you're interpreting yours wrong and I'm correct, which is that whole open hand idea that we keep talking about. Um, But it's really important that we do maintain a level of unity because this whole discussion on faith is worth so much more than this individual point. And so neither of us are would want to stop the discussion because we don't agree on this right. one specific right. thing. It's just so important for us to actually be in a spot where um, really you can be comfortable and humble enough in your own position to say that other smart, intelligent, well-versed people uh, fall on different ends of the spectrum and be willing to move forward with that. Yeah, because so a lot of denominations, when it comes to these type of issues and there's the different camps, the denomination or your pastor, if it's not a denomination, whatever, they've already determined the camp that they and their flock are going to be in. Mm-hmm. So when you grow up in the church, you grow up in that camp. And a lot of times you're not told there's other camps. Yeah. And so when you come across that, it can be startling, can be freeing, et cetera. So that's another thing. You know, um, uh, Greg Boyd and a guy named last name Eddie um, wrote a book called Across the Spectrum, and it's it's all these different. Each chapter is a different theological conundrum or debate among mm-hmm. evangelical Christians. And so in each chapter, they go through. Here's the different camps. Here's the verses they use. Here's the logic they use. Here's the implication of it. Yeah. And they they write it as neutrally as they can for the reader then to make the decision. And that was very powerful in my life when I read that book and very freeing. So I like to replicate that. And and so when we're going through studies like this, I like even my Thursday night community group, we do this all the time. I like to throw out, well, there's this camp, there's this camp, and there's this camp. Here's yeah. the one I'm in and why, but there's different camps on this. And this stuff is not 100% provable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, just, you kind of have to make a decision and, and run with it. So that's why we introduce these different camps. Yeah, um, and just really quick, there's a concept that we talk about in the first season, and it's just that whole idea of spectrum, and that's mm-hmm. in episode 1.05. Right. So another kind of spinoff to this is, so what is the relationship between faith and sin? Because you and I both would agree you can't sin your way out of your mm-hmm. salvation. Yeah. Um, so there's di- but there's different camps on this. So one camp, maybe the more hardcore, would say any sin, if you have any sin in your life, that shows that you don't have faith. It's very black and white. I reject that camp. Yeah. Um, another camp would say if you have repeated intentional sin, then you don't have faith. I also reject that one because of Muddy Fields, mm-hmm. also from season one, and Know Thyself. Everybody has their weaknesses, and their weaknesses they're going to repeat again and again as they yeah. go through life. It's a struggle. It doesn't mean it's okay, but it, you know, as far as like it's fine. It, there is a problem with that, but it's a struggle. Um, and with me, the whole well, I, I didn't intentionally sin. I believe that even at a subconscious level, almost all sin's intentional, hmm. it, even if it's subconscious, not conscious. Yeah. So I push back on that one. Um, and then a third camp is sin um, means there's the weak reliance, like the weak trust, but that's separate from the belief. Um, and so that's more the one that I hold to, that that if you're struggling with some sin, that shows that you're not trusted. Because remember um, Galatians 5.16, if you walk in step with the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Um, 
And so what I believe with what, what that one is, is if you're sinning intentionally, repeatedly struggling, mm-hmm. whatever, it shows that your trust is very limited and the trust is problematic, but it doesn't automatically mean that your belief is not there. Your belief is insincere. Yeah. So for example, um, this is controversial, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I got a buddy of mine that we, we kind of go back and forth a little bit and wrestle. He's wrestling with um, homosexuality as far as, not, not that he's wrestling with it, but but if somebody um, believes that homosexuality is, is okay, they can't be saved, right? Hmm. And, and, and again, this is controversial, but I believe no. I think they still can be saved. Now, and let me clarify this. I believe that, that God's parameters, God's intent is a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. So I believe that, and, and by the way, we're going to do a whole episode. Well, we've already recorded. We're going we're gonna to release it later. But we did a whole, a whole episode on same-sex attraction. And it was just a very raw um, uh, episode on just let's get to the, the nitty-gritty and the grunge yeah. of it all, right? So, so anyway, so, so I, I, I believe that, that homosexu- homosexuality or same-sex action falls outside of God's parameters. I really do believe mm-hmm. that. I also believe we should be very loving in the yes. process of meeting yeah. with somebody. So, anyways, but so I so I would tell him that someone. So if, if if and actually I know multiple people who are wrestling with this, but they don't believe they don't deny that Jesus is Lord. That's not a question for them. They absolutely believe that Jesus is Lord. They just they they take maybe a misunderstanding or an incomplete understanding of Scripture, and they say, I don't know, you know, maybe Old Testament was wrong, but New Testament it's not, and the Romans one and two passages aren't talking about that, and so maybe they're misunderstanding the Scripture or they're trying to convince themselves it's okay, etc. But Jesus as Lord is not an issue there, yeah. And so I really do believe there's a separation that that one can really have bad theology um, and have bad beliefs and therefore sin in that, but still be. Um, a believer, because I, I might throw back to, to my buddy, but listen, you have wrong theology somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but you're still a believer. So, so, and, and so, I, I just I want to want to challenge people on that to kind of to kind of think through all that stuff. So, anyways, and so that that's the third camp which I hold to. The fourth one would be the the more, so the other extreme of the spectrum, which is sin is irrelevant now; it's all covered. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so ah, it's no big deal. So I I hold to that that third camp, but I at least wanted to, th- to throw that yeah. out there just to kind of get people to chew on. Um, a couple other real quick questions that people might have in the in this tangent section. Um, oh boy, that's the, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my list here. Um, why is believing Jesus as Lord the key? Like, why do I have to believe that Jesus is Lord? I mean, because He is. You know, yeah. um, the and, and He's the one that died on the cross for the sins. He's the one that did the work. Uh, I, li- I always like the idea that that Jesus is the King of Heaven, and the one rule that He requires is that you recognize that He's King. And if you don't recognize that He's King, you can't go into the kingdom. So that, that's, that's how I would give a short answer to, to that one. Um, another one is, what about those who've never heard of Jesus or cannot understand? I'm always encouraged by uh, Ezekiel 33, 11, I do not take delight in the death of the wicked, for I'd rather they come to repentance. Mm-hmm. Second Peter 3, 9, I mentioned before that, that the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, everyone to come to repentance. I also look at the book of Revelation that says that the, the, the nations and, and every nation, every tribe, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And this is, includes at the Judgment Day also on the other side of the gates. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that at least one person from every nation, tribe, and tongue will be represented. I also see in Ecclesiastes that God has set eternity on the hearts of men. So when I look at all those verses, I don't have a clear-cut answer, but when I look at all those verses, I know that God really does want everybody in. Mm-hmm. He wants everyone to choose him, and he gives the opportunity to everybody. 
however that works, whenever that works, I'm not sure. And I'm not a universalist. I don't believe everybody goes to heaven. I believe there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be yeah. saved. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. Um, so you have to choose to believe in Jesus. But I know that God really wants everybody in, and so he's going to try to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have all the details and answers to it, but I take comfort in that. So I don't worry that there'll be anybody at judgment that's like, well, I never heard this. And if I hadn't heard this, if I had heard this, I would have chose. I don't believe there'll be a single person like that. I think everyone's going to have a chance. Yeah. That was just the point I was going to make. Okay. Um, and then where do good works come in? We've already discussed that. Um, oh, here's the other big one. So we'll take a minute on this one. This is going to be another long one. Um, <laughs> the, the Lord, Lord, um, the, the passage where, where it says, you know, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, truly, I never knew you. So the idea, it's a very troubling passage. Yeah. And so what it seems is, is there are certain people who are going to, you know, that they at least claim that Jesus is Lord and they're not going to get in. So I actually have had a number of Christians over the years that get nervous about this passage. And they say, Shannon, how do I know I'm not one of those? How do I, you know, what happens if like I really do believe that Jesus is Lord and then I get to heaven and he says, truly, I didn't know you. So is there something more that I need to do? No. And, and here's my take on it. You always want to apply all of Scripture, right, to these mm-hmm. things. We know that from Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It seems these individuals that Jesus is talking to are not saved, right? Because he says, yeah. I never knew you, so they're out. But they claimed Lord, Lord. So what we have is we have people, and by the way, they're doing miracles and good works. So, so who are those individuals? Those are individuals that are doing good works, and they're claiming Jesus is Lord. Yeah. But apparently, because they're not saved, what that means is they never actually sincerely acknowledged it in depth and believed that God, that God raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. So, so what what that tells me is is it's somebody who is giving lip service to and putting a label on it, et cetera, but yeah. not really believing it. So when I'm talking with an individual and they're like, "But what if that's me?" I ask them, "Who do you really believe that Jesus is?" Well, I believe that He's the Son of God. He's Lord. He died on the cross, et cetera. Then you are not them. Hmm. Right, and so I, I just want, I want to encourage people with that. Yeah, and uh, the Greek language we talked about how, how complicated it is, right. and how there's different, there's many different words that get translated as the same English word, and there's actually different words for no. Yes, and one of the words for no is like knowing about someone, and so um, like I can say I know Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, he's a, or he was a football player. Now he's playing baseball and I think doing mm-hmm. some commentating. And uh, he wrote John three sixteen on his eye thingies and got a bunch right. of people to you Google. And I, I know of him, yeah. But I don't have a personal relationship with Tim Tebow. I couldn't text him. I couldn't tell you what his phone number is. I've never actually had a conversation with him. Right. And that's more of the difference that the passage is bringing out. Uh, different times that I've l- looked into it and just seeing what those actual words mean is what Jesus is saying is. I never knew you. I never had a personal relationship with you. Right. And so that's something that really brings out the distinction of what those two things actually mean. Yeah. So the last question in this tangent section, and we, we referenced this in, in the Heaven episode as well. Why, why don't Christians talk about this more? Um, I've never heard a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something we've mentioned before, just all this whole rekindling stuff. There's a lot of there's a there's there's a, there's a simplistic truth to Christianity and there's a complex truth, and the simple truth is easier, and so a lot like in Sunday school for example you're not going to teach all these kind of complexities to a bunch of uh, fourth graders, so you'll teach like a simplified version of them or you'll teach the simplistic elements you need to know. The idea being though, because even remember like Jesus and John the Baptist grew in stature and knowledge mm-hmm. and in learning etc. 
the idea is, is that maybe at that young age for the Sunday school, you're given the more simplistic elements of Christianity yeah. with the whole point, though, that as you as you um, get older, you learn the details. Well, a lot of times in American. Well, this is probably true of just any Christian branch the, of Christianity the church, the world, yeah. Yeah, the church. They never go back into the details. Um, or like the, you know, the seminary and the pastors will, but they say, well, you know what, because even like we, we talked about this before, the Catholic Church in the medieval time, um, everything was in Latin, the common person didn't speak Latin, the, the Bible was complex, we'll just tell them what they need to know. Mm-hmm. We honestly, even as Protestants, still do that today. Um, we'll just kind of give you the basics, etc. Um, and also, too, as you dive into the complexities, there's debate. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's like, one, complexities are hard. Two, we can't always a- actually map it out with clarity. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and avoid that and stay at the simple level. And again, I believe at the simple level you can still get in. But we have found, this is why we do Rekindling Ministries, we have found that as we get more into these complexities, some people get overwhelmed, some don't like it, da 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 But others get really encouraged. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, that's helpful. That's really helpful, right? We had that conversation earlier today yeah. that, that could really encourage people. Um, so this is why we, why we do it. So, so that's a tangent. So let's let's come back, kind of keep plugging along here. So the third the third part, you know, we discussed kind of what is what is faith and how does it work. Now we want to get into this goes pretty quick. Um, now it gets into what are the benefits. So Shannon, okay, so I understand the definition of faith. And I understand I'm supposed to place my faith in Jesus, um, and and I understand kind of how one might go about doing that. But why should I? Mm-hmm. What are, what are really the benefits or motivations for doing that? So when we did the study, look at at least 13 things here, probably more, um, a whole bunch of different benefits. Um, and so I want you guys as the listener, especially if you haven't, if you haven't believed in Jesus yet or if you're you know, kind of wrestling with this, um, I want you to, to listen to um, biblically what are some of the benefits and results that come from faith. Yeah. So one is um, God's delight. Um, and him and him marveling. So we talk about without faith is impossible to please God. So God is pleased with faith. And Jesus marveled at the Roman centurion's faith. And that delight and marveling is very refreshing. Mm. So if you place your faith in God, God and others who are watching you can delight in that, marvel in that, and it actually refreshes their souls. Yeah, and it also just allows you to be more righteous. It gives you salvation, uh, acknowledges just that you're forgiven, you're cleansed, you're holy. Uh, free, and you can really just have a good and clear conscience with all of this. And that point right there is the one that church most often emphasizes, which is great, mm-hmm. that, that that righteousness comes by faith, and righteousness yeah. is a right standing or a right relationship with God. So if you choose to, you know, believe in God and Jesus, they're good, they're king, etc., um, then you are in right standing with God. And in that right standing, there's that right relationship, and, and, yeah. and you know, etc., um, but there's more out there, and I, and I wish the church would continue to emphasize that, but also emphasize all these other points as well. Mm-hmm. So another one is unity among believers, that that we're very and this would this would go more to the trust as well. Yeah. So the belief does unify us. The trust would unify us even more. And so most of the world doesn't believe. Most of the believers don't always move into the trust element. Um, and so if we both believe and trust more deeply, we're going to find more unity. Yeah, and then also just this results in God helping you, protecting you, and just equipping you with uh, spiritual fruit. He gives you gifts, and so then you can more effectively serve him. Like there's good, positive things that come out of this. Another one is you're going to find refuge. You're going to find more comfort, more peace, more love. You're going to be nourished and refreshed as you place your faith in him, and and, and again, both the belief and the trust, and that's going to help you endure through the pains of life. 
It's also going to help you find satisfaction, gladness, hope, joy, and just really give you a spirit of eagerness through the whole process. So, by the way, we all know those Christians that are like, I don't like, boy, they're mean, hmm. right? Or they're, they're ticked off all the time, etc. It doesn't mean that they don't believe. They just haven't gone to the trust part. And if they really get into the trust part, you're going to see more of this eagerness and joy, yeah. etc. Um, you're going to, as, as you do this, both the belief and especially the trust, you're going to become more steadfast, more stable, secure. You're going to be unshakable. You're going to be confident. You're going to be firm. Um, someone gave the, the visual in the study, uh, Rachel, I think actually did this, the, the carefree lion. Hmm. So if you, if you've ever watched videos of lions, they walk around, they could tear you from limb to limb. But they're cool. They're relaxed. It's that carefree. So they have that firmness. They have that confidence. They have that strength. But they also have kind of this carefree approach to it. It was just a cool visual. Yeah. And just that duality there is really interesting. Uh, Also, just receiving strength, power, and boldness to go through this life. Um, and then we talked about this before, the more you rely on Jesus, the more reliable you, you become. So as you are putting more and more trust in him, you become more and more trustworthy so that God can entrust you with even greater things. And I think uh, deeper communication. Mm-hmm. This goes back to the ongoing circle that we were talking about earlier, the reflexive, that the more trust you put in him, the more trustworthy you become, the more the closer you guys get, the closer you guys get, the more trust you put in him, you know, et cetera. Yeah, and then just... Uh there's a verse that talks about the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so just Mm -hmm. God granting your requests, uh, giving you blessings and success, and also just giving you, uh, we've talked about this before, but just the desires of your heart. And so um, God going through, and that's not saying that if you desire a Ferrari, he's going to give you a Ferrari, but just he gives you those internal just passions and desires and things that you want to do. Because he'll change and and morph your desires. Yeah. 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 Um, Another point, and this can can get a little confusing. Um, Eventually we're going to do a... um, uh, an unpacking on spiritual gifts. Well, we actually have done one, but eventually we'll record an episode on it. But anyways, we know that magnified miracles can happen with greater faith. So we, so this is, oh man, can I open this can of worms with faith healing and all that? What I'll say is this. People tend to take two extremes. So either the more faith you have automatically guaranteed, the more miracles and healing occur, mm-hmm. or more the, more the cessationist route where, no, that's all hogwash, and, and no, there's, there's no co- correlation between faith and miracles. The answer, as almost always, is in the middle. Yeah. That we did find references in Scripture that an increase in faith will increase miracles. But that's not necessarily, like, you know how Proverbs, Proverbs are universal truths mm-hmm. or general truths that you can always find exceptions to. That's kind of the thing here. There seems to be this, this at least sometimes, there's, there's a general direct connection between faith and miracles, but not a hard, irreversible one, all or nothing. Yeah. And really just the summation of all of the things that we've talked about so far just really equals a changed life. When you actually have faith and you experience some of these results like satisfaction, steadfastness, strength, power, reliability, trustworthiness, it's going to change your outlook on life and really just your life itself. Yeah. And so the last one is, you know, as long as you sincerely place that initial faith in God, you get the eternal life, John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. If you place greater and greater faith, which is the deeper and deeper trust, then there's more reward and authority or greater inheritance that comes in the eternal kingdom. This would be 1 Corinthians 3 and the parable of the talents and, and all that. So, and I'm sure there's more out there, but I want to encourage you. There are a lot of reasons, a lot of benefits Mm -hmm. to choosing to place your faith in God, both the initial belief and then that ongoing deepening trust. Now, inversely, we'll say this just kind of real quick. There's also, so what does a lack of faith lead to or result in? 
Yeah, and so one of the first things that happens is uh, God's just anger and displeasure. Uh, but this is <laughs> anger, I feel like, might just be the wrong word there. Yeah, uh, I think so too. But just because God is still loving uh, and he's patiently nurturing, he's uh, long-suffering. Like there's just a lot of different attributes of God. I feel like too quickly uh, we tend to jump to God's anger and wrath. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we're going to do uh, an unpack. Well, again, we've already done an unpacking. We're going to record an episode on that, um, and it's actually a little bit different than what we normally taught. So I really, I really like. It's very encouraging when we went through the anger study, and so like the idea there. I'll just say this super quick. Um, for me, my understanding is anger is more of a tool that God uses than like this natural emotion of His. And so if you're not being faithful, he might use anger to get you back on board, but it's more as a tool to kind of wake you up than, than really anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, another result of not placing your faith or, or ongoing trust and, and, and a deepness there is your own stiff neck stubbornness, and that creates a vicious circle the wrong way. Yeah. So the less faith you put in, in God, the more stubborn you become, and the more stubborn you become, the less faithful, less likely you are to put your faith in him. Yeah, because just the whole verse that talks about God resisting the proud uh, but drawing near to the humble right. is that whole idea. And then also— it just leads to grumbling. Like you're just not really gonna, uh, if, if you're a believer and you are experiencing a lack of faith and all this different stuff, like it's just, you're not going to have the fullness of the relationship with Christ that you can. And it's just going to result in, uh, just that negative cycle and, uh, just grumbling and discontentment. And you're going to recognize, and because the whole idea behind that is you recognize at least subconsciously that something's wrong, right. like that you need to be having faith in, the Lord and going through life in that manner. And when you don't, uh, it's just like, well, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right. And so just that whole process continues itself. And so think about that for a second. This may be a punch in the gut for some. Um, you know, if somebody's grumbling, it doesn't mean they don't believe in Jesus. It's more that trust issue. Mm-hmm. So Isaiah 26, 3 says, you, Lord, give perfect... This is what's on my license plate. You, Lord, give perfect peace to him who's... Uh, you, Lord, give perfect peace to him whose mind is steadfast on you because he trusts in you. And the perfect peace in the Hebrew, shalom, shalom. And so the idea there is the more that you trust in God, the more of this peace that you're going to get internally, mm-hmm. and internal peace pushes away grumbling. And so if you find yourself grumbling, what you need is more peace, and the more peace will come from a deeper trusting. Yeah. Right? Um, all right, so, so that is this, the, some of the benefits. And the last little thing that I want to, uh, or for this section anyways, uh, that I want to say is just I really want to encourage you guys that there are a lot of benefits to this that, you know, when I, I grew up in the church, it made a lot of sense to me. I took comfort in it. It gave me guidance and wisdom and understanding and discernment to some extent. Um, and then I walked away from it in my 20s um, where I still believe that Jesus was Lord but wasn't living like it. Hmm. Um, and that kind of just, that, that was a wreck. I was just, that was just chaos. Uh, and so then around 2930, when I realized, okay, I need to come back to the Lord, and I came back to the Lord, I really did start finding more of that peace, more of that significance, more purpose. Um, I started to changing more. I'm a very impatient person, still impatient, but less impatient now than I was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found, just, like you mentioned, that changed life. I just really want to encourage you, if you, if you and we're going to get more into this in the application in a moment here, but if you, um, if you haven't believed in Jesus yet, understand that as you start that journey, some things are going to change. Um, and if you already believe in Jesus, but you haven't been doing as deep of the trust, you haven't climbed in the wheelbarrow, mm-hmm. understand the wheelbarrow is scary, um, but there's some really cool stuff that comes from that. Okay, so that is the, the third component. 
So that leads to the last component, the, the fourth question, which is the application. But before we do that, uh, I have a little surprise for everybody. Um, so you may, you know, if you listen to the first couple episodes, we've been having guest speakers, you know, which, which each, each of these episodes, and you may say, well, how come we didn't have a guest speaker for faith? We do. It's just a, a little bit different. So I actually have my parents in town. I have my dad and my stepmom, Hal and Suzette. They're, uh, they're on their way to Florida, but they, I convinced them to come into to Virginia for a couple of days to, to hang out, and it worked out well that they're here when we're recording the episode. And I, I believe both of them are people of faith, and I, and I believe that it, it plays out differently for each of them, right, because they're diff- different personalities and such. So they've been, this entire time, they've been here in the studio, and they've just been quietly, um, patiently waiting. Um, they haven't fallen asleep, so I'm not insulted that they thought I was boring, or I don't, I, I don't think you guys think I'm boring. Um, but anyways, I, I had, you know, I asked you guys ahead of time if, if you would speak, because I felt like I know both your stories very well, um, and I think it plays into this faith, this faith topic, and, and it comes from some cool angles. And so I just want to take, we're just going to do this just for a couple minutes here, um, but want to ask you guys um, your thoughts or your insights or what you would like to add to this discussion. So Suzette, I'll start with you first. Um, it, you know, for people listening, we're, we're studying faith. What's something that you would like them to know? And I think what would be helpful is maybe to tell a little bit of your story as far as what your faith looks like and how it formed. Well, I just want to say that when I was a very young child, I think that's probably where mine started as far as like learning that there's something greater than me. I uh, was uh, five. Uh, my mom was very sick for several years there. And anyways, at five years old, my mom passed away. Well, then for some reason, I, you know, was confused, like, okay, what do I do? How do I, what, what do I look into? You know, I didn't have any idea. So finally, one day I went outside and I sat on this rock and I looked up into the sky and I saw this really bright star. And for some reason, it gave me peace. And then it made me think of my mother, which to this day, I still look at a star and I think of my mom. But at that point, I thought, wow, you know, what, what is that? And so, God also, I saw, I don't know about, I did not know about God at that time as far as what, what he could do or what he was or anything like that. But then all of a sudden, I would just talk to the star, and all of a sudden I'd get this peace or the strength, and there was like something greater than myself. And I think that's where I really learned there was more than just me. Right, and, and at the time, like you said, you didn't really grow up in the church. You had a little bit of experience with little, that, yeah. but didn't know a lot of vocabulary, the no. teachings or whatever. No. But just at your your five-year-old little self just yep. knew something. Yes. Your mom was still somewhere. Something was going on, right. whatever. And so that started at least just right from the get-go. Just And this yep. this confirms what we were saying earlier about that Some for some people the evidence is just the creation or for you the stars. There's something else is going on. Mm-hmm. So, so that started your journey for you. And then as you've gotten older you started realizing, oh, this is God. Right. That's right, God pretty is. much. Yeah. When I got older as a teenager, then we started going to church. And then that's when I think God was speaking to me and showing me, oh, I was there all the time. And I was getting you through this difficult time. And um, then f- from that time on, other things happened in my life. And th- I'm, I'll have a birthday pretty soon. And so I'm thinking, he has got me through all these years. And he's never let me down. Now, let me tell you, there ain't, there has never been a perfect, it hasn't been a perfect life. It hasn't been easy. There's been many difficult times in my life where I'm thinking, oh, wow, how can I do, you know, what am I going to do? But I knew there always was my God. And mm-hmm. as long as I had him, I knew I could go on. 
So you believe there is a God, and yes. you believe that this God is very good and loving, yes. and you believe, I'll get choked up, we get choked up in heaven, we'll get choked up here, but you yeah. believe that he takes care of you. Right, absolutely. Even though bad stuff has mm-hmm. happened to you. Yeah, because he didn't promise us a bed of roses, you know. He said there will be thorns with those roses, and all I know is because of the difficult things, he said, I'll get you through. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, I'm not going to let you go, not go through them. He, I'm going to allow you to go through them, but you're not alone. And I think that's the key to my salvation and where I am in my heart with yeah. the Lord, because I, I, I distrust yeah. him. I, I saw him. I saw a quote from the thebibleproject.com. They're doing a video on Job. If you guys ever get a chance, go to thebibleproject.com and watch their videos on Scripture. It's amazing. But in the Job video, they, made, they just made a little statement that this world was never intended to not have suffering. Right. And so we're going to do a whole episode on suffering so we can't we're not gonna right now we're not gonna get into why god allows suffering all that but for you you know whatever the reason right suffering's here right. and the key for you you don't get mad at god you just realize i need to tr- you know i already believe in him but i need to trust in him mm-hmm. to give me the strength and endurance to get through it correct yeah yep. cool mm-hmm. all right and then pop what about you um you know, I'd ask you this beforehand. So if you, what would you want people like, you know, uh, some takeaway or, or if you could say this, is, I want you guys to understand this about faith or talk about your journey a little bit. What's something you would like to add uh, to this conversation? Uh, well, my faith journey started at an early age, similar to Suzette's, but uh, our circumstances were totally different. I was brought up in the church and uh, started going at around the age of five. Uh, went to sun- Sunday school a lot, uh, heard all of the Bible stories, heard about God, heard about Jesus. And, and being a had childlike faith, I, I believed all that. You know, I believed all the Bible stories. I believed in God, uh, believed that Jesus was his son, believed that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Uh, so that was not a problem. But as I got into my teen years and, and early adulthood, I realized that even though I I never lost faith in those things, I still believed all of that. I realized that there was something missing, and and I was confused. I didn't know whether I'd been misled. I didn't know whether I just just didn't understand what I had been taught in church and all of this stuff. Uh, so I, it was a struggle for for a number of years, and a turning point came in. Uh, 19, late 1986, our pastor at the time gave the congregation a challenge that during the year of 1987, uh, read the Bible through in its entirety. And I thought, well, you know, that's a good idea. I, I, I'm going to do that and uh, because I want to know more. You know, I'm tired of this confusion mm-hmm. and I want to get some of this stuff uh, straightened out. So I asked God to show me what he wanted me to see. And, and then I got into uh, to reading the Bible, and, and I accomplished that in the year 1987. have read it through a number of times since then, but every time that I do, I always ask God to show me what it is he wants me to see. And he's always uh, done that. And, and each time I've read the Bible, I've learned something new. Mm. Uh, I've got uh, different clarifications on different issues, and so it's something I highly recommend to everyone to do. Get into the Word and ask God to show you what it is that He wants you to see, and He will do that. Uh, So what happened was over the the course of uh, 
of, of reading the Bible through a number of times and, and having God show me uh, different things, uh, I, I began to see that the, the element of faith that I had been missing, the confusion, if you will, came, I guess, from a, a lack of trust. And I began to understand that I, I can trust God. He, he's faithful to his promises. He showed me that in the scriptures. Uh, and not only in the scriptures, but he shows me that uh, in, in my daily life. Uh, any, there's been a number of times when, when God, uh, when I've claimed uh, God's promises when he has, has been faithful to that and, and has uh, fulfilled that. And I know that I can trust him to meet my needs, whatever they are. And, and he knows my needs more than I know what my needs are. So if I ask him to, uh, uh, to meet my needs, I can fully trust that he will. And uh, so I think in my journey, even though my journey uh, is not complete yet, I, I'm, I don't believe I'm where God wants me to be yet, but I do believe I'm making progress and I'm getting there. But there has been a milestone for me, and that milestone has been that I, I believe right now that my faith is complete because I, I do have uh, trust in, in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. So this is where it starts to get complex because on, on one hand, and, and it's a duality, it's both true. On one hand, it's firm, it's complete, it's there, you know it, there's no question of that. And then, but also at the same time, there's still a continued developing of the trust, deeper trust. Right, and, and there's other elements of, of sure. the journey as well. It's you know, trust is, it has become, uh, I'll say, a minor issue because I think that has been resolved. So there are other things that uh, you know that need to be, to get resolved, and and I'm confident that they will because I do have that trust. Yeah. So I like this because it it shows um, there's. There's a journey to this, and the journey is going to vary from person to person. So I, I've also experienced this a lot with different groups that I've done, where like somebody has like um, when they were young, they believed, and that was it, and everything's great. Um, and then we've had others that believed and kind of fell away, then came back. We had others that never believed, and then later on was an instantaneous moment. We've had others that it was it was like stages to all of it. So when we look at Suzette's, you know, at age five, there was just this general acceptance that there was something greater out there, and then later she realized this was God and, and Jesus and, and and the specifics, right? Um, and then with Pop, the um, he had the the specific belief, like you said, even at a young age, that Jesus was Lord, Jesus was God in the flesh. Um, but it was later on, and it was through Scripture, which goes back to evidence. The Scripture can help with this. That you started learning more details about who God is or more details about what he expects of us. And then as you learn those, you begin to place your trust in those. Um, and so I, I want the listener to be encouraged that um, there's not like one correct way. There's, there's one, someone mentioned like the object of our faith, right? I think you mentioned earlier, Zach, that, that there's one correct person to place your faith in, and that's Jesus. He really is the answer to everything. But the journey of how that comes about and how that plays out really is going to vary from person to person, and we, we want to be flexible with that. Another thing that I was thinking of was um, the wheelbarrow analogy. So to kind of make that even more accurate, imagine there were different um, uh, wires and, and a wheelbarrow on each wire. So it may be that as you believe in Jesus and you begin to trust him, maybe first you trust him in your finances. 
So when it comes to the finance wheelbarrow, the finance wire, you've, you, you'll climb in there and you just trust them and you go. But when it comes to, say, your marriage, you're not quite there yet or vice versa or your calling, your job. Um, or it could be something specific in the moment. I don't trust him in this decision or I trust him in this decision, but not this decision. So that can also be helpful that you're trusting him in some areas, not others, you know, et cetera. And so that leads us to the fourth and final section, the fourth and final question, which is what's the application of all this? What's my takeaway? What should I do with this on? And so, you know, sometimes um, I kind of beat myself up or I get nervous when we do these, especially these unpacking ones, because this becomes highly intellectual and cognitive and facts and, and that kind of deal. And I really, really want to get them out there so that people have it. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem doing that. But then I think about um, there's still the, the more emotional element or the personal element or whatever. And that's what always this this fourth question is, is just kind of kind of wrapping everything up. And, and so what's the what do I hope that that you, the listener, take away from this? What have I taken away? You know, just just encouragement with people. And so I'm just going to kind of talk here and, and, and talk from the heart and, and not say walk through the intellectual process that we got to, and, mm-hmm. but it just is what it is. So one of the things for me is I, I really do want to move beyond that kind of simplistic black and white. We are sinners and we need to have faith so that we're forgiven and freed from hell. I believe that's true, but I believe there's so much more to that. Like, you know, Pop was saying as, as he was reading through the scriptures, he just started learning more and more and more and more. And I've done the same. You know, I, you know, I oh, hey, Dad read it through um, six or seven or eight times or ten times now, different translations. I should do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started doing all that. This is after I you know, came back. And I was blown away. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, that's interesting. What if this is true? You know, all that kind of deal. And so anyways, and so I, I do believe that, that we are sinners and, and, and Christ has died for us and we're going to get more on all that, all that stuff. But I also know there's there's a lot more than that, and I think that the church needs to continue to emphasize that, but also emphasize other things as well. Yeah. And so I really I want to try to paint more of that that color, bigger, broader, more complete, more vibrant uh, picture of it all. So what what I want you guys to understand, we, you know, we always talk about the, with a study. The first thing is you need to understand the reality or the truth that's being proposed. And what the truth of Scripture is, is that God is love, and He wants relationship, and He wants creativity, and He wants people to experience awe. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. there's so much more. Eventually, we're going to go into the whole season or whatever we end up doing where we're kind of painting the big tapestry yeah, of Christianity, yeah. and we'll get more into all that, but at least some of the elements now. And so because He is love and He wanted all these things— he created this universe and he populated it with life, angels and people and animals and flora. Um, and, and, you know, keep in mind, and, and we'll, we've gone on this before, we'll go into more again, that there's this prologue, this temporary kind of beta stage that we're in. And then there's this coming future story, the, the eternal kingdom. And so he set all that up. He gave us this free will and moral responsibility. He wants us to experience beneficial goods. Um, and he wants companionship with us. He wants yeah. that companionship now, which is still somewhat intangible. But and he also wants that companionship more fully in heaven, which we talked about in, in the heaven study. He wants us to have companionship with each other. He wants us to begin this this journey to maturity. You know, I really do believe that we all start out like the, the incomplete versions of ourselves, mm-hmm. and that's how he, that's how he set it up. And he wants us to become the complete version of ourselves. And in heaven, we will be there. But he wants us in this prologue in this beta version to begin that 
that process. This is where the trust you know comes in. This is part yeah. of the B and the B do have lens that we talked about in the first season. Um, he wants us to find our calling and carry that out. He wants us to be creative and come up with things. He wants us to be good stewards and manage things. He wants us to enjoy the spices of life. Mm-hmm. So this is more of that do and have of the be do have and know thyself. But you know would also talk about this. Yeah. Um, and so he, he you know overall he wants us to begin to process through this beta version prologue into the real version story of the eternal kingdom of heaven. And so given all that, um, we have this two-layer choice that he's put before us. And so the first layer, the, the first choice that we need to make is, are we going to acknowledge, recognize, be persuaded by, believe in God, specifically Jesus as Lord and Savior? Are we going to commit to him as our king? Are we going to recognize that he is the author of this two-stage story and that he really is good and beneficial and loving and just? You know, we know that the Old Testament emphasizes the faith in God and his coming Messiah, and then the New Testament illuminates that Jesus is that Messiah. So the John 3.16 and 14.6, no one comes to the Father but through me. That yeah. was a big verse for me. Romans 10.9, which we referenced multiple times, Acts 4.12. Um, and so, and this also goes back to um, the Quinn Lima, you know, going on from the Trilemma as far as Jesus is either Lord or lunatic you know we've gone all that before in other episodes um and and so and so that's that's the first question the second the second question the second layer to that choice so after choosing to recognize him as king mm-hmm. are you going to go deeper in that belief are you going to begin to trust more and more and more are you going to trust in his will and his goals his parameters his way are, are you going to begin to actively apply the details of scripture more and more to the details of your life so we keep saying that back again this yeah. is are you are you going to first are you going to join the Jesus boat and recognize that he really is the answer to everything and then once you join the Jesus boat are you going to get out on the water are you going to begin to mature in your faith and really develop that if you're in the boat sincerely you go home when you die mm-hmm. um, but the but the water walking there's so much more you know to all that story. Um, some other ways that, that, that I can say this is, you know, I, we, I know that God loves the world. John 3, 16, 2 Peter, Peter 9. And out of love, Christ died for the world so that whoever repents and believes in him will not perish, but they'll have that eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so the Deuteronomy 30 uh, talks about, so you have a choice, choose life or death. Um, we each have a choice to make the, the blessings or the, the curses. And so you can make the choice to reject Jesus is king. You say, Jesus, you are not my Lord. You are not my master. You are not my king. You're not my savior. This is what the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is um, in, in Luke 12, 9 to 10. Um, and then you can, and if you do that, then you continue to practice that sin um, and fall outside his parameters and not do the beneficial things that he suggests. And you're not going to receive that eternal life. You're going to end up in that lake of fire and it goes to whether it's annihilationism or the eternal torment. Yeah, that's all a separate point. Whatever, yeah. um, but, but you don't, you didn't recognize, you didn't choose to make him your king. You can't go to his kingdom. It's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's not about the good behavior. It's about whether you've decided he's your king or not, right? So, so you can choose that. All the free will, but you can also choose to repent and believe in Him, and, and all you know, Luke twelve eight, and Acts sixteen thirty one, and Galatians two sixteen, and Ephesians two eight, all reference this choosing to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and and you need to remain in that belief, whether that's an automatic thing or it's an ongoing choice. Again, sure. separate, separate point. Yeah. Um, and so John fifteen one to eight, and Hebrews twelve, and First John four fifteen, you need to endure and hold on to that, right? Cling to that, and and if you're doing that, then Christ is going to remove all your sins from you, as far as the east is from the west, and He 
doesn't take account of your sins, and they're already erased, and it's already taken care of, and it's a non-issue for you now. You're forgiven of all that. So 1 John 2.1 and Hebrews 10.14 and Romans 8.1 and John 19.30. And so that, I kind of put it as like a 1A, B, and C, right? Mm-hmm. You believe in him, you continue in that belief, and you, you get your sins forgiven. And then, and then you have that second layer, that second level, the trust, um, that you move from, you begin to move from the immature imperfection to the mature perfection. Yeah. And it's a two steps forward, one step back, stumbling, bumbling process. And so 1 Corinthians 3, 2, Hebrews 5, 12, Romans 12, 1 to 2, 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15, James 5, Galatians 5, 2 Peter 1, Romans 7, um, repeated exhortations all throughout the New Testament, Matthew 3, Philippians 2, there's all these different passages that would talk about going mm-hmm. further in your faith uh, you know, and, and deepening that. And so it seems that, um, oh yeah, so, so I'll stop there for a second uh, to say we keep repeating ourselves and yeah. we keep using the, the different words and we keep talking about, all right, saying, I got it, I got it, I got it. Why do you keep saying this over and over again from different phrases? And we touched on it, but I want to emphasize it again. Why, why do we keep repeating this and why do we keep drilling these points home? Why do we keep going in all these details? I mean, really just at a really baseline level because it's worth repeating um going through all of this different information uh what is faith what does it actually consist of what does it result in um and then just all of the different angles that we've tried to come at because we've described different times how there is a complexity of things and if Mm -hmm. we just have a two-dimensional view we miss out on the completeness of issues and we can't appreciate the complexity of it um or the beauty of it really and so we really just want to meet you guys where we're at we're we are both just so passionate about this because we are both followers of Christ and it's the best decision that we've ever made. Uh, there, that is such an understatement <laughs> as well. Right, right. Um, but there's just, this impacts every single fiber of our being and every single aspect of our life. And it's just transformed the two of us and we want, uh, and the four of us, it, and this really, we want this to just go beyond some sort of intellectual, okay, yeah, I'm listening to this podcast. That's cool. Good for you. Uh, that's good for you. I, I have my own way of doing mm-hmm. things. And we really want you to move beyond that to see what is it about these two guys that makes them keep sitting down for two hours and recording all of these things? Uh, what and makes so them... many other Christians on top, right? Yeah. In addition. Um, why, why do they keep talking about this? Really because it's a discussion worth having, and it's something that we are just so passionate about and want you you guys to be passionate about as well. Yeah. So when I think of spectrum, I think sometimes we take a more kind of lackadaisical approach and we just, well, I, I don't want to push anything down people's throats mm-hmm. and I kind of want to let them believe what they want to believe. Or you go to the opposite extreme and you do kind of shove things down people's throat and, and you get in their face because they need to know the truth, right? I've never been comfortable with either one of those extremes. I need to say something, but I want to say it respectfully, mm-hmm. and, but I also want to say it boldly, you know, et cetera. So the last thing I'll say is, listen to, to the listener, what are you going to do about all this? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's loving and good and powerful and majestic? If so, you're going home when you die. Hmm. Um, he loves you, and he, and, he, uh, and he loves that you recognize the reality of who he is and that, you, that you're trying to rely on him to get home, and he loves that. No matter how deep the trust part is, if you truly, sincerely believe that he is God in the flesh, yeah. boom, you, you've, you've got that ticket stamped. Um, you recognize his king. You're mm-hmm. going to the kingdom. Your performance is important. It's another issue, yeah. right? So it's above and beyond. So I want to encourage you with that. It's the issue of maturity that we're going to talk about next, next episode. Week, right. Um, so, so now, so if you haven't done that, please, please give it a thought. You know, mm-hmm. um, please, if, if your way's not working, um, 
I've learned this. We've had other examples of this. If your way's not working, try a different way. Mm. Um, I understand you may like Jesus, but you don't like his followers. The church is messed up. Absolutely, I messed up. I still sin every day. Um, everything's still messed up. But don't don't wait for a perfect church before you believe, because mm. that's never going to happen. This side of the gates. Yeah. And so look back to Jesus and realize that he really is this amazing Adonai. He's this master. He's this Lord. But he's also your friend. It's just he's, he really is the perfect king. Mm-hmm. He really, really is. Um, and so, so I encourage you to, to, to think about that. Um, if you already are a believer, are you trusting deeply? Yeah. You know, have you begun that kind of that second part, the uh, second walk to all of it? Um, are you actively, consistently, or beginning to consistently mm-hmm. rely on God's overarching goals and His specific parameters? Are you applying the details of the Bible to the details of your life? Uh, are you walking in step with the Spirit and actively transforming into the complete version of you? Are you uh, diligently adding to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge endurance? And you know, Second Peter one. Um, and again, we're going to, so in the episode, next episode, we'll go more more into that. If if so, know what's coming. Zach, you mentioned this earlier. Know that there's going to be a whole lot of challenges, but also a whole bunch of rewards. Mm-hmm. That that whole and, you know, go back to the seven stage journey in, in season one and, and listen to that again because it explains all this. Know that that to really go deeper in your faith is by far the most difficult thing that you're ever going to do, but it's also the most rewarding thing. That you're ever going to do. Yeah, and another episode that I really would encourage you to go back and listen to is just Muddy Fields because it, Ooh, yeah. that just really goes and talks about what the process actually looks like to battle sin and uh, work through those different areas that we struggle with because as believers, we all have those areas that just we just can't find victory in. Paul writes about this, the things that I wish I do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do uh, in Romans. And so it's a big issue that's worth addressing, and mm-hmm. we have, and we'll just encourage you to go and listen to that one as well. Yeah. So when it all comes down to this, it seems that there's, for me, when I understand the parable of the seeds, and I realize there's different interpretations of it, but my understanding of the parable of the seeds is there's four basic categories. There's, you know, there's the seed that never takes root, and so there are those humans uh, around the world that they just never make that decision to believe in Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently that's like the larger percentage. Yeah. Um, and then there's those that take root, but then they wither and die. Now, according to the camp that I'm in, it's those that really do sincerely have their initial belief, but then for uh, numerous reasons actually like unbelieve or reject Christ and walk away. If, if people hold more to, to your camp, then the, the, that seed is maybe like there was an initial understanding, initial interest, mm-hmm. but never went from there, right? Yeah. So however, however you read that. Yeah. Um, and then there's the third one, I think that the—well, the, so I, th- well, I think the majority of the world never gets in the Jesus boat. The mo- majority of, of Christians stay in the boat. And so this is that third category. It's the choked seeds, you know, mm-hmm. where, where it springs up and it has life, but it's choked by the, by the weeds and such. These are those people who sincerely believe, but they're immature. Yeah. And they haven't moved into that, the, as Papa was saying, the, the, the greater trust area. They're, I still think they're believers. It's just mm-hmm. they're weak yeah. um, and they're choked and, and they're immature and we, we want to be patient with them. And they're just kind of just struggling through it all. Yeah, and that's the idea of moving from the milk of the word to the meat of the world. Yep. word. And so moving from the initial stages of getting those basic nutrients that we all need uh, onto just the more um, 
the tougher issues and just the issues that really have more depth and uh, fulfillment. Yeah, and it's it's the Romans five that you're moving from the just righteous position to the good position. Mm-hmm. In 1 Corinthians three, you're moving. You had the foundation of Jesus, but you're building with wood, hay, straw. You begin to build with gold, silver, costly yeah. stones. You know, and so then that leads to that fourth category, which is the 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 fruitful seed that took life and then and then produced a great crop. And so these are those believers that are are maturing. We never quite, you know, get there, right? Mm-hmm. The side of the gates. But we're maturing. These are the water walkers and, and the wind walkers. I've done I've done some research in a different surveys over the last say ten or twelve years. These are ballpark numbers that I'm gonna throw out, but looking at like like the Barner research and Pew research and they do these surveys and such. Right now as far as the United States goes, Somewhere around 88 to 90 percent of people believe there's some sort of God or some sort of higher power, some sort, some sort of supernatural existence. Mm-hmm. It's maybe 10 to 12 percent that believe none of that exists. Now that's growing, but that, yeah. that's where it's at yeah. right now. Right now, right around 67 to 70 percent of Americans, if they're filling out a box, classify themselves as Christian. Um, because that's what they know they're not Muslim, they know they're not Jewish, maybe they know they're not they're not atheist, mm-hmm. so they must be Christian. And they kind of just mark that box. Yeah. That kind of goes back to the Lord, Lord type deal. Um, but only around 37% of Americans believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And so they, they believe that core kind of Romans 10, 9 concept. So for me, it's around 37% of Christians that are saved. Um, only around 22 or 24% are like actively training. And, and that in the surveys was they're trying to go to like to one or more services a week on a regular basis, but also not just the Sunday morning service, but maybe they've joined a Bible study or they're reading through the Bible in a year, you know, or whatever. They're actually, they're not, they, they, they do believe, but they've at least begun that trust stage. Yeah. And then, and then one of the things that Barna did was to see like how many people actually are really actually pretty far along in the water walking uh, and wind walking and they're mature in their faith um, where they're actually applying a lot of the details and the, and the trust really is in the further deeper stages and that's only around like three percent hmm. so you know cause mo- I think a lot of us w- we have those those Christians that are really kind of bad advertisers for the faith you know um, we see the hypocrisy or the yeah. judgmentalism or whatever um, and then every once in a while you come across that Christian like you know I can't really be mad at that that guy because he's not really judging, he's not hypocritical. I mean, he's not perfect, but he's pretty good, you know, kind of deal. So that's actually a really small percentage. Um, and so I want to acknowledge that 37% of Americans truly do believe that Jesus is Lord, but maybe 3% of them are actually really, like, solid and mature in that. Um, and so that's unfortunate, and that's part of what we do with McKinley is, is to kind of, you know, in, encourage that more. So anyways, wherever you're at, and you can, you can always email us with questions and such, but wherever you're at, if you do want to place that initial belief in Jesus or you want to go deeper in that trust, I want to give you like three things that really help. Dad already 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 emphasized this. You really need to study and embrace scripture. Yeah. Not just yeah. read it. Don't just do a devo. You know, um, but actually read it and embrace it and say, what if this is actually true? Mm-hmm. And let me actually begin to apply that. A second thing that, and that's why we did those first two episodes yeah. around scripture. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we do these, this whole this whole season three. A second thing you want to do is pray. And that's a whole huge issue that we're going to do a whole episode on what exactly is prayer. In short, it's really just a communion with God and experiencing Him first and foremost, mm-hmm. and then secondarily, it is a conversation. It's but it's two way conversation, not yeah. just one way. So we're going to go more into the the. I, I believe you can't really begin the master prayer until you've begun the master scripture, um, but we'll, we'll deal with more of that later. And then third, that will help in addition to the scripture and the prayer is really find a, a mature well find a mature believer, or better yet, actually find a group of mature yeah. believers. Um, that can that can walk with you in this process, or even a group of m- believers that want to mature. Yeah, 
yeah, where you're all, hey, let's let's try this water walking, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe a start is these podcasts where you're coming at least trying to understand more of, of some of the details of what's going on, but it's always good the face-to-face, yeah. you know, so yeah. like my Thursday night group with the unpacking studies, et cetera. Yeah, um, you want that face-to-face time, and so I want to encourage you uh, with that. So last thing I'll say, um, I, I, I recently somebody sent me a little short video on Facebook, and it was just a short little, like, a 15-second clip of, like, somebody who's very energetic and charismatic but also seems sincere, and they were looking at the camera, and they're like, you know what? You're awesome. Hmm. You know, you, you're, you're a creation. You're beautiful. And it was, like, 15 seconds of just encouragement, right? And he, and he whoever it was, it was, it was very charismatic. I mean, you, you, it's kind of cool. Um, but, but he recorded it, and then he just posted it. So it was actually uh, Pastor Al, uh, a good friend of mine, Pastor mm-hmm. Ian Lynchburg, he had actually sent me that video, just kind of thinking of you today. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I listened to that, and I was like, oh, that's, that's actually kind of cool. You know, like, I, yeah. I, I kind of made my day. So I want to finish with a little something like that. As far as um, God and his love for you. Mm-hmm. I know that it's hard to believe this sometimes, and we're, and obviously um, once we do the maturity, we're actually going to go into love because faith, hope, and love, these three continue. So we're going to do a whole episode, maybe multiple ones I haven't decided yet, yeah. on, on what love is. Um, but at least want to plant a little seed there with this. I want you to know, I understand it's hard to believe sometimes. God truly does love you. He, he doesn't take your wrong into account. He loves you for who you are. He has a, and, and I really hope you begin to believe this because I, I really do believe it. God, so listen to me. I'm, I'm talking to you right now, whoever's listening, wherever you are. No matter what, I don't, know, I don't know you. I don't know if you're a believer or not. I don't know how much sin you're doing or not, but I know this. Hmm. I know, I am convinced that God has a deep affection for you. He has a deep fondness for you. There's this affinity. He has this connection with you because he created you. And no matter what, he actually treasures you. You are important. You exist. You have value in his eyes. And he is loyally, covenantally committed to you. For the most part, that is largely unconditional. Unconditional of your performance, unconditional of your commitments. He is faithful to you. Now, he does add some conditional elements. There's certain things that he's waiting for you to do before he responds. But he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he offers salvation to everybody. And so understand that he is committed. I want you to understand that he is so patient and forgiving of you and your sins and your wrongs and your mistakes. For he knows, this is Psalm 103, he knows that you're made of dust. Hmm. He knows this is what dust people do in the book Broken Beta Prologue. And so he is patiently patient with you. He is forgiving of those because he already atoned for it all. Yeah. And he's patiently willing for you to transform into the more complete, stronger version of you so that you do less of those wrongs and sins and mistakes. And that's where the dance that you referenced earlier comes mm-hmm. back to. And he's waiting for you in that. He's already stepped in. He's waiting for you to step in, and you guys can do that. But he's patient with you in, in the process. And he's continually contributing to your well-being, if you'll let him, mm-hmm. in a whole variety of ways that we may not always understand. So, you know, Suzette had mentioned, sometimes bad happens. Um, but God is still always trying to contribute to your well-being, whether it's a physical well-being or a spiritual well-being or an emotional well-being uh, or an uh, intellectual well-being or a social well-being or a resource well-being. And we don't always understand what's going on. This is the book of Job. Mm-hmm. And so, so Job's like, I don't understand what, what you're doing, God. And God's like, well, I'm not really going to give you all the details. Just understand there are details, and I want you to trust in me. And Job yeah. did, right? Um, and so I want you to be, to be encouraged by that, that you really are loved. Mm-hmm. Um, God's not pissed at you. He's not 
angry with you. I think he's he has anger with the sin. I think, but I think more even more than he grieves the sin. Yeah. And so he grieves for you both the sin you're doing and the sin you're receiving, right? Because because you we're all victims in, in in some shape or another, and God grieves that. Um, but he knew that, the, that this broken prologue was necessary, and we'll get into all that stuff later. So, so he loves you regardless of, of where you're at. And, and in Ezekiel 33, 11, I do not take delight in the death of the wicked, for I would rather that they would come to repentance. And Ecclesiastes, I think it's for that, I, that God has set eternity on the hearts of men. That includes you as you're listening to this. And 2 Peter 3, 9, um, that, that the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And Zephaniah 3, 10, that one day that everyone who believes in him will get to heaven and he's going to sing over us with shouts of joy in the book of revelation that at that point once we push through all this and we have that faith we have that belief we have the ongoing trust whatever level it is um that that we will get to see him full face to face he will be our god and we will be his people in the very full real way that he always intended so please place your faith in jesus so we'll just finish with that um if you have more questions or, or you want to talk more about this, you can go to the website. It's rekindlingministries.org. You can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com, um, and we can try to help you through, you know, what kind of wherever yeah, you're at with that. Sure. Um, and and then we'll, we'll, we'll sign out now. We'll see you guys for the next episode where we have kind of the other half <laughs> of all this, um, which is the maturity and how do I, I've already believed in Jesus. How do I go more into that, that on, ongoing um, kind of walk? So thanks, guys. We, we love you as best as we can as yeah. humans, um, and we'll see you guys for the next episode.